I got 15 titles on my mind Seven world ones, one hardcore And seven tags with four different guys I Take her easy, take her easy Don't let the sound of gongs and bells Drive you crazy Lights up when I raise my hands Don't even try to understand the supernatural dead man So take her easy Well I'm standing on the corner of Death Valley, California Such a bright fire I see It's my house, my lord, burned to the floor Lost my parents, brother, everything Come on, Kane, please don't blame Paul Bearer took me in as his and tried to train me. Rarely lose, I usually win. I never thought I'd see you again. You opened up the cell and climbed in so freaking easy. Running down the road and I'm all on my own Got a decade of destruction Call me big evil, not red, But do call me American Take her easy, take her easy Don't let the sound of them biscuit Drive you crazy Come on, Vincey me. I'm coming back, it's the dead man So take her easy of the night welcome to talking taker episode 203 of our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of autism the undertaker there he is my name is alex dorio i want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of dead man talking and I am joined, as I have been for these past 203 episodes, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night. He is the man who had no idea what he was signing up for five years ago when we started this <laughs> podcast, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, can you believe it, my friend? As my shirt says now, available at the Tee Public Talking Taker store, we have officially, as of this month, entered a half decade of destruction that's insane to think about man that is crazy five years 
Five years. Five years. Five years. Five years. That's nuts, man. Yeah. Which means it's been that long since he's been, we thought, retired. And he just Bro. retired. So, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's not wild. forget that. We originally started this podcast <laughs> yeah. because we assumed The Undertaker was retired. And here we are, five years later, uh, seven or eight matches later, a, uh, a documentary series later, a Hall of Fame speech later, now a one-man touring show later, a, a Netflix movie later. <laughs> All of Crazy, that has man. happened since we started the podcast. And uh, yeah. we're going to reminisce about that a little bit, about the past five years of memories. And uh, tonight's going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge of an episode. Uh, we don't have a, like a full theme, uh, to uh, to be completely honest. We had an idea, and we kind of pushed that back to next month because we're going to have an extended session of Undertaker sightings tonight because... Boy, it, yeah. it's, it's the talking taker curse. You know, as soon as we drop yes. an episode, there's a guaranteed to be just a flood of Undertaker news that takes place. And so much so happened in July that we got to spend a big chunk of it, you know, analyzing it here tonight. Um, but then we're also going to talk about August is typically SummerSlam month. It's happening in July this year, but August is typically SummerSlam month. And we ran this tournament on our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter to discuss the greatest SummerSlam match of The Undertaker's career. So we want to talk about those results and sort of kind of analyze his entire SummerSlam history because when you look back at it, you could say Undertaker is Mr. SummerSlam. You know, he has had so many legendary matches at SummerSlam. We're going to talk about that legacy. And then to celebrate that fifth anniversary, we've got uh, some fan Q&A, some listener Q&A that we are going to do. We did this uh, one other time. We, we, did, we took mm-hmm. some questions from the fans and thought it'd be fun to do it again. That was a while back. So we're going to do that here tonight. And uh, yeah, we'll just see what happens here on this five-year anniversary episode. Called in the ring. We'll call it in the ring, son. Um, I do have a special guest for us, Travis. Oh, I, I wow. was able to book a special guest. Uh, okay. Coming into the show, I got, I got the Undertaker himself. No. He's right no. here. Is that the Wobbly Googer? <laughs> the Wobble Rubbler. Yeah, there he is, the Eggman. All right, that's a joke just for our YouTube fans, right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you got to check us out on YouTube, folks. Video version of the podcast. in the closet. I got to find the little blower upper thing and inflate him a little bit more. So uh, my yeah. kids did play with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. That's so. pretty cool. Pretty neat. Yeah. Um, I do have one other thing that I have to start our, our five-year anniversary with, though, Travis. Special exactly. reveal. I'm not in my complete outfit. I got my new shirt on, of course. Tpublic.com. But... Don't stand up. <laughs> Don't stand up. <laughs> not in your complete outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... I'm not, por- oh, okay. I'm not porky pig in it, man. Uh, oh, okay. But, <laughs> um, but uh, as we, we, we talked about this, this was a, a thing that happened during our five years of this show. Uh, famously was uh, in an eBay bidding war. I uh, didn't know it at the time, but ended up being in an eBay bidding war with friend of the show, Randy Turco. Yeah. Uh, famously uh, a couple of years ago. Wells Travis to celebrate the five year anniversary of the show to get ready for SummerSlam as well, which we are attending. I had to become a member of the Undertaker Hat Club, my oh, friend. Oh, wow. The Look at original that. 91, 92 wow. Undertaker hat. I had to get me one Jeez. and finally mark that off the bucket list, baby. That's wild, man. <laughs> that is insane. That thing looks good. It's in nice shape. It is. It is. Look at that. Got some great font. It fits like a... Why did I recognize that font from? 
good question. <laughs> it fits awesome. like a hat from 1991. You know, so, yeah. something about those hats. They're so tall and like crooked, <laughs> like brand new. It's like still a little bit crooked. <laughs> and uh, not a lot of quality control back then. <laughs> real high on the head, no matter what yeah, you it's do. It's like, who's, were heads deeper back then? Every like, hat know. from back then is like, yeah, no. yeah. I think human heads have gotten shallower nowadays. I don't know. Our grandfather's heads were much taller. Yeah. Well, I think these old guys wore hats like they just barely set it on their head. My grandfather like, still does. Yeah, there's it's like this much like this t- head. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's wild, man. Gotta I let, gotta have a hat. Let the head no. brave. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently not. not I need guys. basically I need like a yamako with a bill. That's what I want. <laughs> just something snug with a bill. <laughs> But yeah, were those the original hats or yarmulkes? The original hats, <laughs> maybe that's know. a podcast for another day. That is a podcast yeah. for another day. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I've got my fit on, now that we're ready to go, now that we're ready to enter the next decade of destruction of this podcast, half decade of destruction, <laughs> half decade. yeah, excuse me. Uh, let's talk about it, man. Let's get into our Undertaker sightings. We got to start there because, like we said, so much happened in the month of July. You see him? Is he out there? Yeah, just looking for. What is this? He's, he's doing that thing. <laughs> anyway, folks, you gotta watch this on YouTube. Yeah, you're missing all you the good content. You're missing the hats. You're missing. Travis's. My son does some dance now, dance. and he does this afterward. And I don't know what it is. Some popular dance on Fortnite or something, but I don't know it. Anyway. Uh yeah, I got nothing for you on that one. Yeah, you'll get um, there. Yeah. Well, Still play um, Fortnite one day. <laughs> hey, speaking of Fortnite. John Cena is going to be on there as a new character. He is, yeah. And the Undertaker is going to be in some video game. It's not Fortnite. It's something else that I've never heard of, but it's another thing like that. (laughs) Yeah, similar to that. So that's pretty neat. Anyway, that was bonus content for you guys. Yeah, well, that counts. That counts for Undertaker sightings. Um, Let's start off with. uh, I think I have them in chronological order here. Things that happened over the month of July. Uh, on the uh, Peacock, on the WWE Network on Peacock, uh, this was announced, like we said, after we recorded last month's episode. I mean, the day after. <laughs> <laughs> this might have been my favorite thing that, that happened this whole month, but The Undertaker and the BSK, the Bone Street crew of Rikishi, the Godfather, friend of the show, um, Henry and Phineas Godwin had a table for three slash table for five or a really table for four and a quarter because <laughs> Midian didn't come in the last five minutes of the show. Why did they start filming without him? <laughs> They're on tight I schedule. Man. Anyway. Yeah, I guess. So at least Midian came bearing gifts though. I love that. He, he came did. with the Yokozuna socks for everybody. That yeah. was a, that was killer. I dug that yeah. man. He got uh, there, had his mask on and Keish was like, you don't have to wear that. Yeah, Taker is like, get that thing off your face. <laughs> or Taker yeah, get it. <laughs> and uh Keish had the ultimate U- or the big U's shirt on. That yeah, was great. that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, just a great, I love table for three, uh, always mm-hmm. on the network, but man, this was pretty historic because yeah. we think about this, man, we got to see the bone street crew playing bones on the WWE yes. <laughs> network. They actually got out the dominoes and played yeah. around famously. We got that aerial view of it, which we is did. nice. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the hell in the cell cam or the, the ladder it, match game. It, yeah. it deserved it. You know, it did. Yeah, no, nah, that was awesome, man. I uh, it was just funny listening to those stories and uh, watching them, and watching them still just riff on each other too. Like, like you could tell they probably haven't hung out with 
Phineas and Midian in that long, and they were tight by then. But you know, I just don't think about that. But like just fitting in like a glove, man. I just it was awesome to see, and I just hearing some of the stories and. Some stuff can be repeated, some can't. I'm sure there's a Talking lot. About some TV 14 uh, this month. I think it started with this special. Yeah, I think it may have. So, but yeah, it was good stuff, man. It was great. And again, just dude, how awesome is Godfather? He's just, I love that guy. I, I love all those guys. Man. Yeah, me too. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall. I'd love to see the unedited version uh, of this special. I yeah, wish it could have been two or three hours long because man, I could have heard these guys telling stories about about Taker giving advice to uh, to women. Uh, in their profession <laughs> if we want to say that uh, um, but like th- talking about Midian crashing Taker's bike like yes, <laughs> yes. At, at Taker's house that he was story. about to sell <laughs> he <just told laughs> he's about to sell it because Taker crashes it oh, he man. flies off of it oh, and just God. like hops up yeah. he's like I'm okay <laughs> <laughs> like nobody cares <laughs> about to sell that bike <laughs> Oh, it's so good, man. Um, man, and uh, story about Henry Godwin and, and Taker being in the car and like the car breaking down and having to walk to the arena. That was some good stuff. Some yeah. good Paul Bearer content on just there as yeah well. talking about how he just used to tick Paul off and Paul wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> just I love hearing those stories. Wanted to go to the Chinese <laughs> restaurant for so long, and Henry Godwin's like KFC. Like, Sounds good. <laughs> just to tick Paul off. Yeah. So we were in Pittsburgh. This is where we ended up going. We were oh in Pittsburgh. God. So every time that Paul Bear and I went to Pittsburgh, we had this one Chinese food place that we would eat at. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, when you're, you're kind of yeah. creatures of habit when you're on the road. And Paul, for day, a couple days prior, he hadn't gotten the car yet, right? Wait, so, man, I can't wait to get to Pittsburgh. Wait and we're going to go to this restaurant, right? <laughs> so we rolled into Pittsburgh. I was like, all right, where well, you guys want to eat? This one deals out. Man, I want to eat some fried, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I said, all right, I'm good with it. <laughs> oh. Oh, he's, he's oblivious. Mark's oblivious to it, right? And, and, and Paul, I guarantee you, is as red as your hat. And he's just like, he's pissed. Because he'd been looking forward to this Chinese food for days. He, I swear to you, he did not. Other than what we had to do in the ring, he didn't speak to me for a week. Oh. <laughs> he was he was blowed up like a puffer fish. He was so mad at me. It sounds uh, like something uh, uh, we, we would, would do with do our friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it made it more like, – yeah, I could hear us telling, you know, not those same stories, but, you know what I'm saying, just stories like that where we're just – Riffing on each other. It was just fun, man. They just seemed like regular guys, dude. It was awesome. They did. And they you just yeah. fell into their old roles. Like you saw yeah. Taker kind of like being. He was like, the kingpin. Yeah. He was. Like, he was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you notice they never took a bite of, of any food? No. On they had plates food. full of food and they never ate it. It was like some good food, too. I would have been in it. <laughs> they did drink some Jack Daniels, though. Plenty. Of, Without question. Plenty of Jack. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, definitely check that out on Peacock. Just a very fun, lighthearted, uh, nothing, you know, no breaking news or anything, but just no. some great, great stories uh, and, and uh, masterful storytellers on there. Uh, and, and, and like I said, just cool. Like this was a faction that was not really publicized like the, no. click, the click was. Like I didn't even hear of the BSK for like years till after I heard of the click. Uh, mm-hmm. But now they've become... That you know they wanted, they were like a lot more secretive about their um, their faction backstage, and it wasn't about politics or anything. It was about friendship, right. 
uh, and now you know in the in recent years it's come to light more and they've become they've embraced it more and WWE has yeah, embraced it more and talked yeah. about it so yeah 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 um, very very cool to see oh yeah no doubt yeah that I mean the information on that the news of that came out literally the day after we recorded last month so it's just like I knew it so yeah that was but yeah that was the first cool thing happening in, in June and July and uh, or July so hit us for the next thing. Well, uh, then this one didn't involve uh, Mark Calloway himself, but uh, this set kind of the sports world on fire and Twitter a storm when uh, at the UFC show uh, this uh, yeah. past month in July, uh, champion, I don't know which division he's a champion of, I don't keep up with UFC anymore, uh, but Israel uh, Adesanya, Israel Adesanya, I think. God bless that, you. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, he did a entrance inspired by the undertaker used the undertaker's music had not this hat but had a you know traditional undertaker hat and had an urn that he carried out to the ring with him and my man committed to the bit yeah and who was in the audience vince (laughs) stephanie (laughs) triple h what are the odds pat mcafee with a neck brace like it was incredible man that he did that with vince there Allegedly, Pat Mackey said that there was no that Vince didn't know. Like, I bet was, there wasn't. No. Yeah, he said Vince didn't know, and he was like, and he said, because I, I watched Pat Mackey's show the next week to hear him talk about it, and he'd say he looked at Vince and was like, "Do you know about this?" And Vince like, "No." And he's like, "You're here for this, like it's awesome." And so Vince loved it, and uh, I loved it because yeah, I don't know a lot of UFC guys nowadays. I just don't watch it like we used to when we, I literally knew one of the guys, Forrest Griffin. So uh, yeah, just um, yeah, but yeah, watching that and seeing that and it coming out of left field, not advertised, but just like the next morning being like what's going on with this undertaker entrance and like man that was awesome yeah he committed to the bit had to earn it was awesome never man, broke so character just him. like had his head down walking with it and i think it just goes to show you and that he won too he did he did won the fight you know yeah. that would be bad if he lost it <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah it just goes to show you the cultural impact of the undertaker and the fact that yeah that was on a major sporting event and everybody knew it wasn't like an obscure thing. Like people knew yeah. what he was doing and they loved it. And mm-hmm. it worked, man. That intimidation, like it worked in works in WWE, it worked in the UFC too. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, it was awesome. And there was that was probably one of forty eight UFC shows that month. And right. uh, you know, that was the one that stood out. Because there's yes. one like every three nights nowadays. It's ridiculous. But um that one definitely stood out for the whole month, you know. So awesome. Did we ever talk about watching a UFC pay per view with Forrest Griffin? Did we ever talk about that on this show? I don't know if we have. We probably didn't yeah, have a reason to. That happened. Yeah, that did happen. Yeah, it was awesome. At your friend's yeah. house. Yeah. Yeah. It he was, was great. Uh, he was tapping out people out in the yard. He was. <laughs> I was trying to shoot on him, and he. Yeah. For those of you who know Forrest Griffin is a, you know, former UFC, UFC champion. Fight. Yeah. 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 Previous champion, and uh, yeah, went to school with uh, my brother and uh, our older friends, and. Uh, my old roommate in college, his mom used to babysit him. So, yeah, just, you know, Forrest, cool guy, humble guy, great guy from, uh, you know, went to the University of Georgia for a little bit, too. So, anyway, good guy. But, yeah, we watched the UFC pay-per-view with him. It was awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. He's one guy It would have gone into wrestling and would have translated so well. Like He still probably so could. Well. He still probably could now, yeah. <laughs> but just a cool dude, man. So. Well, uh, another thing that was announced that we can't talk about yet because it hasn't happened, but we found out that The Undertaker is going to debut his One Dead Man show uh, the night before SummerSlam this month uh, on Friday, July 29th. Um, Apparently, it's going to become a traveling thing, perhaps. Uh, I don't know if it's going to coincide with maybe sort of like major pay-per-views like this or if it's going to just do like a few cities in a row or something like that. But uh, yeah, kind of... 
probably taking a little bit of his Hall of Fame speech and then doing some Q&A and just some of those stories that we heard, um, like on Table for Five and stuff like that. Uh, but pretty neat. It's going to debut in Nashville. And uh, Travis, uh, I'm going to be there. I got my ticket. So yeah. I got to get to experience it live and in person. And I'll have a full report on next month's edition of Talking Table. Yeah. Yeah, next month's going to be a full next month's edition because as this comes out, it's the night after uh, or two days after the pay-per-view. So, uh, right. yeah, we'll, you will be at the one-man show. We will be at SummerSlam together, so we'll talk all about it. But, yeah, I'm very excited about the one-man show. I wish that my travel arrangements would have worked out for me to have come the night before and gone too, but it's not going to work out. But, um, yeah, very excited to hear all about that, and I'm sure you'll have some updates for us before this uh episode even comes out maybe absolutely online so absolutely so very exciting and we'll have more to say on that but if if you told me five years ago in five years taker's gonna have a one-man show like mick foley does i've been like no he's not yeah yeah nope he is yeah, we've seen him come out of his shell so much, and, and I love and do, it. It's it's <laughs> awesome. We're, we'll, we'll talk about his appearance at Comic Con here in a few minutes, but it was yeah. just more of that. But uh, I I think the probably the I know I said Table for Five was my favorite, but I I think the biggest uh, Undertaker event of the past month was his biography episode yeah. on the A and E Television Network, uh, two hour special on there, and uh, we talked about this on last month's episode, just like. We were excited for it, but it was mm-hmm. kind of like, what else is there yeah. to say, man? After five episodes of The Last Ride and, and, you know, so many other appearances and podcasts and things, like, what else could there be? And got to say, man, I, I was having to be proven wrong because this was excellent. Turns out the secret ingredient was two words. Taker's mom. <laughs> Boom. That was it. She stole is the incredible. She stole the show. I want to see, I want to see her on his podcast. Whenever he does his podcast, whatever it's going to be called on yes. the network, yes. I want to see Mom on there doing just talking. Man, she was awesome. But yeah, like you said, we were kind of spitballing last month. Like, yeah, what more could there be for us to figure out? But uh, man, I'm super impressed. You know, and we we talked about last month. These are for casual fans that don't follow it, you know, religiously, like you know us hardcore fans do. So. But I learned stuff, and like they had footage of him, like other footage of him that we hadn't even seen before, with like from wrestling early on, you know, in Texas and stuff from Japan. It was just it was awesome to see. And down in uh, was it Puerto Rico or something? We talked about going down there. It's just awesome and all that stuff. And then just yeah, his mom, dude, the kitchen table. She just stole every scene she was in. Well, they they had some of the Memphis footage that we yeah. talked about uh, on one of yep. my favorite episodes we ever did. Oh yeah, uh, the the main event monsters episode. Yeah, yeah. They, they had some of the stuff with Taker in Memphis. Um, yeah, but, but you know we kind of hypothesized about this last month too. Like well, maybe they'll talk some more about his life before wrestling, and and they did, and that was mm-hmm. the highlight to me. Uh, you know, talking to his mom for sure, but then like they talked to guys on his high school basketball team yeah. and, and stuff like that. We got we got to see some of his legendary uh, yes. hoop skills as he played out there with his daughter, played around a knockout with his daughter out there. So we yeah, finally got to see game, the Undertaker yeah. play dominoes, and we finally got to see Undertaker <laughs> shoot play hoops, hoops yeah. man. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't even know what world we live in now. It's nuts, right? dude. It's crazy. So, so much is changing. But, yeah, it's awesome. And uh, just, you know, some, again, some of the stuff was – rehashed it us diehards know but um 
most of it, like I, like I would say, is co- super compelling, man. Like even to be just a a fly on the wall, you know, and or a, a casual fan and be like, oh man, this is pretty interesting. This dude's a big deal, and yeah, dude, I just can't put over his mom enough, man. Like just that whole thing about um, was it Sid? So she slapped Sid yes. in the face or whatever. And he told her she'd never come back to the show. Great. I'm working against Big Sid Vicious. It's like, hey, my mom's out there tonight. She's a pistol. We get in the middle of the match. He's got a rear chin lock on me. And uh, we're straight at my mom. And it goes something like, what are you going to do, old lady? What are you going to do? Am I beating your baby boy up? Shut up. What are you going to do? And he didn't get it out of his mouth. And here she comes. And she's reaching for the barricade as my brother and my dad are grabbing onto her and holding her back. And I kid you not, she had bruises the next day on the inside of her arms from where they were having to hold her hold her back. She was not having it. That's when mom got banned from wrestling. Was anything I said a lie? Did I make anything up? Did you not have to get restrained? Well, yeah, but you just told him the worst part. That was your baby boy up there getting his butt handed to him, and you were going to help me out, but... Yeah, and I couldn't get to him. I remember coming home from that match, and one of the kids said, how do you like listening that close? I said, I don't like it. I never want to sit that close again. You turned around. You said, "Don't worry, you won't." <laughs> <laughs> and then he was talking about his Hall of Fame ring, and she's—he's like, "You glad I got this? Yeah, I can meet your daughter." Because you're done. She, yeah, she—he's like, "Nothing about my accomplishment. No, it means means you're done." So she just—it's just awesome to see that she—he's still just her baby, you know? Yeah. Like, she wasn't. Uh, I mean, I'm sure she's a fan, but she, she just—he's just her baby, man. It's just cool to see. And all his brothers, they were all gigantic men. Oh my gosh, I know. Imagine if they'd actually gotten the business or something Real like that. Real brothers of destruction, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, some great stuff with Michelle McCool and, and with, yep. it, with his kids. Like, you know, he talked about his kids a little bit before Michelle McCool, which he, mm-hmm. like, never talks about that sort of stuff. So, yeah. you know, that was pretty neat. To, and to see some of that footage. Um, I, I saw some people complaining online, like, you know, uh, it, they they really brushed over like half his career and everything. And it's like, well, number one, how many times we've heard, we we yeah. all know those stories. We really don't need to hear them over and over again. We don't yeah. need to hear about all the different incarnations. Uh, and, and like that's what made this better than it should have been because it wasn't just rehashed stuff. Exactly. And they did, you know, they didn't feel like they had to just cover everything. You know, they hit the highlights, but they yeah got a lot of his Mark Calloway story and a lot of, and, and they bounced around and were able to tell some more unique, uh, different stories that we haven't heard a million times. Yeah. It's called a biography. It's not just a character study of the character. You know, it's about the guy behind it too. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And again, yeah, it was, I'm surprised they were able to milk as much out of it because like you said, we've already seen so much with the last ride and everything else. And all the like the Bill Simmons podcast and all these other things he's been on or whatever, you know, ESPN and all the stuff. Joe Rogan, like Joe Rogan, just crazy yeah. that he's still got stuff. And you know there's so many more things to tell. And the thing I I love about watching all this stuff is that he's genuinely enjoying telling it. Like when yes. he first when he was first coming out of like, you know, twenty twenty, kinda breaking the wall down or pulling the curtain back and like 
but even even when we met him you know like it was it's cool but like to see how much he's enjoying getting to tell the story i think you know hall of fame we touch on that like Dude, like that one on a an hour long sermon, dude, just preaching to people and like, but just seeing these things, and I'm sure his one man show you'll see would be just like that. Just to watch how much fun he's having telling these stories and, and revealing himself finally after 30 years behind closed doors, like it's got to be cathartic to him. Cathartic is a great word, man, because I do think I think he's even looser now than he was like on, on that last ride series when yeah. he was so oh, open yeah. about everything. And yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're totally right. Um, and yeah, that's a great word. And I think we've heard so many stories, but I think I guarantee you, I will come back from that one man show and probably have some stories that we've never talked about Mm -hmm. because he has 30 years uh, worth of stories from on the road and all that sort of stuff. And there's just no way, uh, we'll ever hear all of them. Yeah. And in the last like decade, um, pause when podcasting has really gotten big, you know, 2012, 13, you know, now every wrestler has one, but he hasn't been a guest on any of those until the last few years. So he's right, got right. all these stories, yeah, backlogged to tell. So, yeah, it's awesome. I got to shout out one other moment that, that popped me was him talking about his youth and uh, when he was on the high school basketball team and his team used to go to the Pizza Hut lunch buffet and uh, shut that place down and like so much that they <laughs> told him not to come anymore because when yeah. I was in when when I was when we were in college uh, me and my girlfriend used to go to the Pizza Hut lunch buffet like uh, two or three times a week because it was like 7.99 for a yeah. limited lunch you know in yeah. college you don't have any money but man mm. I used to hit up that Pizza Hut lunch buffet and it was a steal <laughs> And I'm yeah. so, uh, glad I had that connection with the dead man. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> just awesome. Made me laugh. That's hilarious. Mentioned that specifically. Um, all right. Uh, any other thoughts on the biography, or uh, we're gonna move on to the well, rivals? Let me say this though. So Takers was the first week. The next week's was Bill Goldberg's, and I will say this: we talked on here about the match from Saudi Arabia. Oh, how we did. It was. We talked about it. And how Taker got his win. Well, let me just say this, boys and girls. <laughs> Goldberg got his win back. Oh, Goldberg's no. biography beat Taker's in the ratings. So, rubber match? <laughs> uh, be careful what you wish for, pal. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> got another Saudi show coming up this year. <laughs> but I just thought it was funny. I remember texting you. like I saw the numbers. I was like, oh, dang, Goldberg got his win back. So, well, uh, it was pretty funny. Hey, it didn't get any ratings in the Dorio house. I didn't watch the Goldberg. Oh, it's good, man. I good believe stuff. it. I, I, all of them yeah. are good. Yeah. yeah. All the A&E biographies that I've seen have been good. But uh, yeah. I just haven't had – there's been too much Taker content to watch. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, because Taker was back on the A&E network. Yep. Carrying this the network on night. his back uh, the past month mm-hmm. uh, with the uh, – no, this was – yeah, the same night as the Goldberg, Goldberg episode. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So a week later, uh, he was on their new Rivals program, which is a companion piece to the biographies that they've got going on this season. Um, and this was, uh, you know, something a little bit different, uh, analyzing the Undertaker and Kane biography. Um, it features, uh, Freddie Prince Jr., um, Kevin Nash, uh, Tamina for some reason, and, uh, Kofi Kingston, Kofi. and JBL, and JBL yeah. in a, uh, room where they forgot to turn all the lights on. Um, this is the, <laughs> the darkest conference room I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like one light bulb hanging out in front of them, like. Guys couldn't afford some better lighting here, but uh, they, they're giving yeah, some. Yeah, I feel like Alistair Black's going to ask people to knock at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> he threw me off though. 
but Perfect. yeah, they're like uh, analyzing this and providing a little bit of commentary as we get clips and highlights and stuff of Taker and Kane's rivalry. Yeah, and I uh, it's an hour long, it's short, it's sweet, but I enjoyed it. Um, I, the only my again, I'm genuinely positive about this stuff, but my only negative about it was that they just kind of talked about you know when they got to the Bros of Destruction, they just kind of skipped over 1998 when they you know, they they mentioned how everyone wanted to see him team up. You know when when Taker or when Kane comes to save Taker, is it 97 or 98? Anyway, there's that little bit of a they're there for each other and then they fight at WrestleMania and then uh, they kind of skip over them teaming up that summer and into the fall and stuff and then the corporate ministry and this and that and the other but they just kind of skip into like 2001 or 2000 is when they first team up and I'm like well that is true like that was when they became like the bros right. destruction but like seeing them even in 98 was incredible you know, the whole thing with Austin and Vince and all that was great so that was my only drawback but again it's only an hour and it's for casual fans you don't need to go yeah. into all that, but um, dude, uh, I texted you. I put it on our social media. Kane, Kane has the line of the whole thing for me, man. I've been saying it for five years that uh, the Batman thing, and uh, you know, I've been comparing Taker to Batman, get as many Bat- Batman references and talking Taker as I can. And uh, Kane said it. He's like, you know, Batman has the Joker. Taker needs a Kane. So I just I love that. So the Kane Undertaker rivalry. It's the best story that WWE's ever told. The layers of the story out of the gate were so, so rich. The Undertaker and Kane have just beat the hell out of each other. Batman, you have the Joker. With Undertaker, you have Kane. The characters are inextricably linked. Without Undertaker, there never would have been a Kane. He was not wrong. No, no. It's something that, you know, it's, it's been a common thread throughout Talking Taker about a lot of Batman talk on here. So it was pretty funny to, to hear them uh, actually bring that up. Very validating for you, Travis, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but Very much. All of this work has paid off. It's all, it's what five years of work has been worth. Um, I can quit now. I think, I think there's a Batman reference in like episode one. Episode one or two, I think. It's of from, us? It's from the earliest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's very early on. Um, yeah, you're right. This one was more fluff, I would say, than the biography itself. Uh, I honestly could be skippable if you haven't watched it yet. Uh, even if you're a hardcore Taker fan, you could probably skip this one. There's not a ton of new stuff or stuff we haven't heard before in this one. It's fun. Like you won't you won't regret watching it, but yeah. you also you won't miss anything if you don't watch it. Uh, they had some of that cool footage of Kane practicing. Undertaker's yeah. moves like in 1997 and I don't think I'd seen this particular clip but did you oh. notice Jim Cornette teaching Kane how to do the Undertaker's sit up? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd seen that before. That's crazy man. I, that popped me. Cornette teaching him how to do it. That's funny. But it just goes to show too again we talk about it on here a lot how not to crap on anything nowadays but like guys from back then if, if, you're, if you're a kid and you're wrestling, you could do those signature taunts, those signature sit-ups, the moves. You knew which wrestler that was. Nowadays, if you and I, if two kids are wrestling and one of them does a sling blade or a Canadian Destroyer, you could pick a name out of a hat as to who does that nowadays. Everybody does it. But like back then, so just to see the attention to detail that Cornette is telling Kane, no, you sit up like this. You turn your head, because you, he tells him to sit up and then, then, wait a second, then turn his head like, you wait, you do it like that, you you walk this way, and like just to see 
the attention to detail to ha- be how specific to be just like Taker. You know, I just I just love that. Again, we talked about it from almost episode one on here. Just the presentation that's put into this character from out to from from Jump Street is just it's second to none, man. It's second to none. It really is. Um, and, and just going back to what I said at the beginning, how how funny that Freddie Prince Jr. of all people is is hosting a, a special about the Undertaker. I mean, pretty. I mean, he's wild. got his own wrestling podcast now. He does. Allegedly, going to start his own company. Companies, he says, but supposedly. yeah, I didn't know because he craps on WWE quite a bit. I think on his show, but I I didn't know he was involved in this until this this came on. So. Yeah. It's weird. And you, you just couldn't have picked five more random people out of a hat to be at this. Yeah. <laughs> like Kevin Nash. Like, all right. Fair enough. JBL. Fair enough. But uh, Kofi and Tamina, not a lot of uh, Undertaker uh, history between those two. two well, fun. they're they're the panel for all of them. I so know. Far, so I it's know. just weird. Just, um, again, yeah. that's so random. I will say this about that show, Rivals, though. Um, the week before that, so the, the night after the Taker biography was uh, Sean and Brett, Rivals. And my wife, who couldn't care less about wrestling, was in the same room with me. She was doing some work on her computer, and I was sitting on the, the couch uh, watching this on the iPad. And, like, she was asking me, like, okay, what's, like, she was asking questions about it. Like, wh- what really happened? Because, like, that one is so real, you know? Like, it was kind of piquing her interest, but I was like, oh, good job, A&E. Like, oh, you, yeah? you, you made right. her, you piqued her interest, and she couldn't care less. So That's yeah. what she anyway. said from the beginning. Yeah, it's for yeah. the casual fans. Yeah. That just proves so, your point right there. Yeah. Well, uh, probably not a ca- lot of casual fans watching the Broken Skull Sessions. This is more for the hardcore fans, Stone Cold's interview series. And, uh, you know, we talked about it every time there's a Broken Skull session. It's like Broken Skull Sessions bingo. Uh, you're going to get Austin doing the hands, leaning back, doing the doing the hands up. You're going to get him asking the, the guy, what do you prefer, work, working heel or baby? Uh, yeah. <laughs> always likes to talk about that. And, uh, you know, he's going to talk about The Undertaker on pretty much every yeah. uh, Broken Skull Sessions. But I uh, have to say, didn't think it was going to come up with Sami Zayn on the latest edition. But, uh, Travis, why don't you tell us uh, what that was all about, their conversation about The Undertaker on there. First of all, I wish there was a five-hour version of this. I could watch Sami Zayn. <laughs> there probably Austin was talk. with Sami Zayn. <laughs> oh, I know. I was, it was like an hour and a half. I was like, they must have cut six hours off it. Because, like... Dude, Sammy is great. I love he this is. guy. He's so good. Yeah, right. I do like. He's so quirky and weird. I love it about him. But seeing him and Steve talk was awesome. But he's, yeah, he's passionate. You know, very much, very yeah. real passion about pro wrestling. And, yes, you know, sometimes it, it can be annoying. And like, yeah, he's not always. Uh, yeah, I, I've heard people talk on podcasts about how he annoys them backstage. Well, that's why his character is what it is. Because exactly. he annoyed Vince. Like he was like he was a babyface, and Vince is like, "You're so annoying. Like, we've got to put this on screen." And he's more over now as a heel than he's ever been. I know. He just had a match with Johnny Knoxville, and it was one of the matches of the night. It was, it was incredible. That yeah. WrestleMania. Anyway, when they talk about, um, I was wondering how's Taker going to fit into this? I know they didn't interact too much. Ch- Taker choke slammed him on SmackDown one time. Right. Like he, he came back and just choke slammed him and then laughed or something. Yeah. Right. It was at MSG or I something. I think it was an know. MSG show. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but this came up naturally. I talked about his uh, his um, takeover match where he won the title from Neville, which was the same night that KO debuted and then turned on him at the end. Great but talking to, match. Oh, great match. The, him and Neville was great. The whole thing with Kevin Owens was great. Uh, phenomenal. And those early days of takeover were just insane. I just loved the, the, the infancy of the network. The infancy of NXT, that that NXT was just great. Loved all those guys. Absolutely. And all those guys are top of companies now. It's just crazy. But um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, he, I don't know. I don't remember, remember if he was saying it was that night 
at TakeOver in the gorilla position or if it, and it was the video playing beforehand recapping the feud or if it was the taping before where he and Neville had that pretty passionate promo in, in the ring and he slaps Neville in the face. I don't remember if it was the playback of that on the TakeOver or the actual taping that night. But anyway, Taker's in gorilla backstage and he's just like, that he's like, did you guys hear that? That's how you sell some effing pay per views. And he's like, that's how you put butts in seats. He's going off, and apparently nobody hears him. And I remember thinking it was really good. But remember, there's always that self doubt going back to the indie days of, yeah, I think it's good, but you know, what does Hunter think? What would? It? And it just so happens that the Undertaker was there that day, and he watched that. And this was such again one of those validating moments where he was like pulled us aside. He's like, yeah. That's how you do it, because not only did we do uh, the promo, we also had a match at night. So he said, I watched your match, and I thought you guys were just going to do a bunch of spots, but you guys told a story, you sold your asses off, and that promo right there, that's how you sell tickets. So that was a huge, uh, you know, check. Yeah. And the funny part of this story is Kevin is brand new here, right? He hasn't even debuted yet, but he's brand new. So he's watching this in sort of like the NXT gorilla. And he's watching the promo, and he's watching Undertaker loving it. So when I slap him in the face, Undertaker gets fired up. He's like, yeah, they just, and he pokes his head into Gorilla, and he goes, they just sold some effing tickets. But you know, Gorilla's yeah. kind of busy. Yeah. So nobody really, like, sold for him because they didn't hear him. Yeah. And the way Kevin tells the story is in that moment, like, yes, he's the Undertaker and he's the Godfather and the toughest guy in the whole world. But in that one split second when he said they just sold some tickets and nobody sold for him, you could kind of see a moment of self-doubt. He was like, did they not hear me? <laughs> and then he says it again. He goes, hey, those guys just sold some effing tickets. And Gorilla's like, yeah, yeah, they did. Because <laughs> Gorilla's pretty busy. So he like, and Sammy's telling the story that KO is watching this from like the corner of his eye. He's seeing Taker get hyped up, and then Taker's like, "That's how he sells some pay-per-views." He repeats himself. He's like, "That those guys just put butts in the seats. Like that's how he sells some some pay-per-views. That's how you draw money." And then people finally hear him. But hearing Sammy tell how Kevin Owens saw that, but but KO um, or Sammy talks about like getting that compliment from Undertaker, who I didn't know was going to be there that night, is. That's it. That's the biggest thing I right. could have I could have needed. So, and he's not wrong. Taker was right. That that promo, I remember that promo mm. when he slaps Neville, and uh, just remember that match at Takeover. So yeah, Taker was not wrong. He was there on a good night, and yeah, what a feather in Sami Zayn's cap, <laughs> a young Sami Zayn. You know, and, yeah, not a lot of people can say that. You know, no, that, that Taker gave them that kind of compliment and, and paid them that respect at NXT, so, nonetheless. Right. You know? And that was at full sale, like 200 people. Yeah, you don't hear about Undertaker necessarily being one of those guys uh, that, that's there right. all the time and giving that sort of advice to the uh, to the you know to NXT people. You know, you, yeah. you hear about it on the main roster, but not necessarily about NXT. Yeah. So that's pretty pretty cool story. And I think Sammy might have told that story on like one of those BT Sports like online things, like uh, back when the talk the, t- t- the last ride was out or something, but. He gets to really elaborate on it with with sure. Stone Cold and just hearing seeing Austin's reaction to it. It's like it's cool. It's just really really neat. I was like, yeah, that's my Taker sighting for the broken skull. Always, man. Every time. 
Uh, and then I guess we'll close it out. This is probably the strangest Undertaker sighting, one uh, that, that not a lot of people saw coming, but it was very, very cool that Undertaker appeared at San Diego Comic-Con last weekend. Yeah. And I uh, appeared at the Mattel WWE uh, action figure panel there. Uh, the full video is on YouTube, so you can go find that. Uh, he comes out around like the 45-minute mark. of a, It's like an hour-long panel, but you can kind of fast-forward through there uh, because there is an announcement uh, of a new Undertaker figure set kind of representing the 30, uh, 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. Uh, he's going to be coming out with the, the gray gloves and with the big Raw letters like they use from around 95, 96. The ones that Sabu jumped off of? The ones that Sabu jumped yeah. off of famously. Uh, and he's going to come with the Razor Ramon and one, two, three kid with the, awesome. the bag of money from, uh, you remember that match, Travis? The bag of money? Oh, yeah. yeah. When but he runs, yeah. When he, well, what's the, what do we remember about that match? Oh, when he flops off of the <laughs> top rope? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember sitting in your room? Like I had it on like a Coliseum video yeah. or something, and we just rewound it probably yeah. fifteen times. So just like... that was before Botchamania. So that was our Botchamania. That was just our rewind, rewind and play. Just watching one, two, three, kid. Just oh, we were just crying, laughing. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I t- totally recommend watching him appear because he is like you talk about being loose, man. This is the loosest I think I've ever seen uh, the Undertaker. Um, Tommaso Ciampa is like one of the co-hosts of the panel along with Sam Roberts, oddly enough. And Taker comes out and Ciampa's like, Undertaker, you are synonymous with Comic-Con. And Taker's like, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I wouldn't miss it ever. And uh, Hey, there's a little throwback. Ciampa, well, he was, uh... they talk about that later on. Uh, oh, <laughs> Tommaso's like, we saw all the great figures, but when are we going to get a two-pack of me as the lawyer and Undertaker? <laughs> and Undertaker like, laughs and points at him. Um, but Taker's talking about like the legacy of Monday Night Raw and, and uh, how back in the day, uh, and he says, mm, uh, I'll call him local talent because, uh, you know, uh, people get upset about the word jobbers, uh, people who are woke <laughs> Don't no one hear me calling them jobbers. He says, I don't care about that. You can't cancel me. Because at that point, we were, uh, you know, we would do three weeks of TV, uh, three days in a row, and then we would be out touring. And at that point, all we worked, let me see if I can be politically correct, we worked with extras. Um, they used to be called jobbers, but I guess that's. <laughs> if you're an ex jobber, don't be woke and cancel me. <laughs> You can't, but go ahead. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Which is like, right. That's great, dude. You can't cancel The Undertaker. Yeah. Um, yeah. They showed it's some. John Wayne, man. You're right. Uh, they showed some new Head Shrinkers action figures. And, uh, Ooh. That Sam Roberts asked him about, uh, you know, if that brought back any BSK memories. And Taker's like, absolutely. But uh, uh, that these figures have abs. I've never seen these two guys with abs before. <laughs> you guys really put them over with these abs. Um, he uh, saw Cody Rhodes' new action figure, and uh, they actually had a sample Does of it. Does have a purple chest? Uh, no, not yet. I'm sure they will put one out like oh, that. Oh, they better, dude. They better. And uh, Undertaker said, if you let me have this figure, you can call me Uncle Taker. And Cody was like... <laughs> You got it, brother. <laughs> so then everybody called I gotta him. I got to go watch it. 
Everybody called him Uncle Taker for the rest of the panel. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, they took some fan questions, and one fan came up there, and he didn't even ask a question. He's like, I don't even have a question. I just want to tell you thank you for how much you meant to me, Undertaker. And Taker called him up to the stage and shook his hand that's for that. Awesome. Kid, the guy was almost crying. Sure. And then uh, Taker said, uh, someone asked him, Undertaker said, I have every figure of me ever made, which... I believe he has a lot of stuff. I don't think there's any chance Undertaker has every action figure of him <laughs> ever made. Because there has been a lot of weird stuff that's come out through the that's years. That's crazy. But he says his kids play with him and like he'll step on him and find him in the bathroom <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, he says he's he's got every... I'm, I'm sure he has a lot. But uh, I don't yeah. think he has everyone ever made. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy though. Just to even hear him say, "I didn't." That, I mean, you he probably doesn't care that. about it. They just give them to him anyway. Exactly. But yes. Um, I know Jericho said that before in his podcast. Like, I get every figure I've ever right. Like, they give them to me, you know. So he's just kept them because he's a smart guy, you know. But anyway, I guess Taker's probably the same way. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I just think about this man. Like, this is a guy who, uh, anytime he goes into Walmart or Target, he could walk to the toy aisle. And see himself on the shelf. Because there's always an Undertaker figure on the shelf. Like, pretty much always. Like, for the past 30 years. No matter what line, no matter what brand, there's yep. pretty much always been an Undertaker shelf on the uh, figure on the shelf. Like, how weird is that? Anytime you go into the store, you could go find a miniature version yeah. of yourself <laughs> in crazy. that store. Yeah. Not, not a lot of people can say that. No, not a lot. That's nuts, man. That's really weird. So, uh, yeah, that's on YouTube. Pretty fun watch. And like I said, it's only about 10 to 15 minutes of footage of him. Yeah, on there. But he, he's having a blast. I and mean, he's like commenting on these figures and, and uh, just really having fun being out there. So pretty cool. And uh, that's pretty much it. That's, that's You got any other Undertaker sightings? Or we, did we hit them all? Anything else you want to bring up? Uh, unless he comes back at SummerSlam yesterday. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. You never you know. know. That'll have to wait for the <laughs> September episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Well, uh Speaking of SummerSlam, I said we're going to move on to that. Um, uh, we talked about... Oh, oh wait, 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 before I get into SummerSlam, this is a Talking Taker uh, follow-up or sighting. we got to mention something else that happened to the Talking Taker brand last month, Travis. Okay. Uh, we got a follow on Twitter from one of the Undertaker's former opponents and former foes, from a true legend, from none other than... John Cena giving Talking Taker the Twitter follow. You can't see that, but you can see it. You That's can crazy. Followers. Verified. I wonder where that came from. Yeah. He follows like 400,000 people. That's fine. We'll be one <laughs> no, of those. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Just sort of. Yeah. Sort That's of pretty random. cool. Pretty neat. We friend can, of the we can show. officially save John, John Cena, Cena, friend of the show. Maybe he's listening yeah. out there on set. Uh, doing Peacemaker season two or whatever. Uh, yeah. There's always, there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. There's gotta be exactly. a chance. Exactly. Um, so yeah, let's talk about SummerSlam. Undertaker never faced John Cena at SummerSlam, but man, I was just kind of thinking, um, I was sitting in bed one night, I was thinking about Undertaker's SummerSlam matches and I was like counting them up in my head. And I said, you know what? Undertaker had 16 SummerSlam matches and we always think about okay what are Undertaker's greatest Wrestlemania matches and that that conversation always comes up I don't think people ever talk about Undertaker's greatest SummerSlam matches but you know there's 16 of them 
We could do a tournament, put it on social media, have people vote about it. That'd be kind of fun to see what the Undertaker's greatest SummerSlam match is. So we did that over the past week or so. Uh, we did the Highway to Hell tournament uh, and made some brackets for it and uh, thought we could talk about the results and just kind of give some quick thoughts on each match and uh, we can give our own opinions. Maybe they differ from the poll results of the fans. But uh, just I was talk about his incredible there was legacy. Only sixteen. I guess in mm. my head, he's been there for six billion years. There'd be more than sixteen. But I guess he was off for a lot of falls. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he definitely towards especially the end. Especially his career, he'd be gone all fall, you know, and stuff. So I guess that makes sense. But yeah, when you put up sixteen, I was like, dang. To me, that seems a little bit small i thought it'd be like 20 but yeah he was gone yeah that part of the year for a lot of times so well would you believe that he is tied for the most SummerSlam matches of all time 16 really? is the is the most and do you know who he's tied with probably randall bingo randy orton number randy. one along with taker and taker actually has more wins than randy uh taker has a 10 5 and 1 SummerSlam record uh, and I think Randy has only eight wins, uh, but uh, someone else has more wins than Undertaker. Uh, he's got a record of twelve and two. Any guesses as to who that might be? Ooh, twelve and two. Twelve and two SummerSlam record. Dang, that's good. Um, One of those matches is against the Undertaker. Is it Brock? It's Edge, actually. Edge, okay. Edge yeah, yeah, has Edge. a 12 and 2 summer. Like Brock, that's too many for Brock. Yeah. One, Edge, one, okay. One of those losses is to the Dead Man. Which wow, I, 12 and 2. We will definitely discuss here. Um, so, yeah, what I did was I went to cagematch.com and uh, looked at their overall ratings, fan rankings of each match, and made some seeding for a tournament based on that. And. Um, cause I didn't want to make it random cause I, you nope. know, I wanted to have like the best matches actually get yeah. to the end. Um, but it actually, they pretty kind of went sort of towards that seating, but it's still fun to talk about here. Um, so the number one ranked Kate match on cage match, uh, in our first round matchup was undertaker and edge. Like we just talked about SummerSlam 2008, hell in a cell, uh, up against undertaker and Kamala at SummerSlam 1992, which actually doesn't have a cage match rating because apparently it's too short of a match to qualify for that. So I put it at the bottom of the rankings. But uh, yeah, Undertaker and Edge pretty clearly. How can away a match be one. too short to not have a ranking? I, I, it's Dude, a, if it's under five minutes or something. What? That doesn't make any sense. No. Uh, because you get, do Brock and Goldberg from Survivor Series is five stars. Like uh, sure. Two minutes long. Yeah. This is the it's best. I agree. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, anyway, uh, that's crazy, though. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, what, uh, when I say those two matches, like, what comes to mind for you? Uh, Kamal, the one I honestly forgot about. And uh, <laughs> I just remember those were fun, fun episodes to talk about, though. But I forgot, like, the actual match itself. I knew it wasn't going to win compared to Edge. No, that it didn't one stand much of a chance. There. Dead ringer for the finals. Um, yeah, and we'll talk more about it later on, but yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that Undertaker-Kamala match, I, I don't think it was ever getting out of the first round, but no. uh, I do think as far as entertainment value, yeah. you know, of course it's not a great uh, in-ring competition match, but uh, entertainment value-wise, I, I, I think nobody played their character better than 
a guy like Kamala. Kamala. So, and he, his selling of the Undertaker brought so much, and like it really elevated that Undertaker mm-hmm. character. The way that he sold that fear, and he, and it the did. way that he sold that, um, was was pretty huge. Uh, oh yeah. Pretty pivotal. It was. Uh, okay, the next matchup was the eight seed uh, Big Show and Undertaker, the Unholy Alliance from SummerSlam '99 against X Pac and Kane at uh, yeah SummerSlam '99 tag team titles, and that when it gets the number nine seed, which I thought was pretty high rankings here, uh, Undertaker versus A Train from 2003, a match I honestly I know we did a whole episode about it. I don't remember a freaking single thing about that match. I think I Couldn't slept tell that you a match. Thing about it. Me neither, but I do know that tag match is one of my I mean I ranked that real high on my it was like, in your top first 20. half is Yeah. I, I love think, that match. Yeah. Yeah. It was a blast. So yeah, it's a good, good some of fun, entertaining matches that have no business being fun. That match is a blast. Because Eggpock is just runs a show there. It's X-Pac awesome. is over. X-Pac yeah. and Kane are so yeah. over, man. Like, the crowd loves those guys. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that one did advance. And, uh, yeah, I know you were pulling for it and voting for oh, it. If I could have voted 140 times, I would have. It's an that. underrated match. I definitely encourage it people is. to go check it Don't sleep that on it. Uh, next, the number four seed was Undertaker versus Stone Cold Steve Austin from the Highway to Hell, SummerSlam 1998. <laughs> And that went up against the number 13 seed, Undertaker and Kane, the Brothers of Destruction, against DDP and Canyon inside a steel cage at SummerSlam 2001. Uh, I, I love that match. Don't think there was a chance for that one to make <laughs> it. It was for me. It was a toss-up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I knew Austin would win, but I was like, I kind of want Canyon to go farther. We just love that guy. We love DDP. We love Canyon. We love... I mean, I love the invasion. I don't care what people say. It's just, those are fun times, man. So, but yeah, there's no doubt. I, I mean, again, as we talked about the Austin match at 98, honestly, is not as great of a match match as you remember. You remember the moments. You remember the buildup. You talk right. about the buildup, the, the video package, the promos, the song, sure. the leg drop to the table. All that's fantastic. But the actual match is kind of a, huh. You know, because Austin gets concussed halfway through it. So. Yeah, but I, I I still gotta rank it above the uh, tag team match. I mean, if oh we, no diggity, yeah, absolutely. If, <laughs> if only for Undertaker's leg drop off the top rope through the table yeah. on Stone Cold, just an iconic moment right there, uh, and that, that that makes the match even if it's not that great. Uh, oh yeah. Number five seed, Undertaker versus Mankind in the Boiler Room Brawl, SummerSlam 1996, went up against the 12 seed, Undertaker versus Kane from SummerSlam 2000. And, you know, I don't, again, I don't remember much of Taker and Kane's match. I remember the moment where he pulls his mask off, and yep. uh, that that's the big moment there. But, boy, do I remember the Boiler Room Brawl, a match that was really ahead of its time. Yeah, it was, and we got to watch it on TVs like your uh, <clears throat> right. like your uh, substitute you brings in. So yeah, no, that match is ahead of its time. Fantastic. That was, that was a dead giveaway. That was going to go past. Yeah, not a lot of upsets here in the first round, um, but yeah, you got to get. I was upset. Canyon didn't. Go. I know. I know. You were pulling for him. Um, Who better than Canyon? The number two seed awesome. was Undertaker versus Bret Hart. <laughs> SummerSlam 97, uh, main event match there with Shawn Michaels as the referee for the WWF Championship. 
And then another main event match, SummerSlam 1994, Undertaker versus The Under Faker was the 15th seed. Uh, I mean, memorability? I think they're both equal as far as matches we remember, but uh, entering quality there. That Undertaker and Bret Hart, boy, they had some incredible chemistry, didn't they? They did, and uh, that match, we'll talk about it more in a minute, but uh, I'll never forget that match. That that match, is it's up there for me, man. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it more. It's a, it's a great one. It's not the first great Undertaker match, but it's one of the first nope. one of the first ones where you really get to see him um, show off what he can really do. There, yeah, their Rumble 96 match is probably better quality-wise, and we talk about that on that episode, but... The storytelling, the whole summer '97, everything that goes into that match of Sean. No, yes. <laughs> sorry, Brett well, and Taker. But yeah. with Sean, yeah. it's well, all yeah. interwe- interwoven. Yeah. With each all other. that is just beautiful, man. Beautiful. Uh, next up was a couple of fairly forgettable matches, if I do say so. The number seven seed. Taker and JBL at SummerSlam 2004, and the 10 seed Taker and Test at SummerSlam hey. 2002. I was pulling for Test to go all the way. <laughs> Why? This was a test, just because <laughs> I wanted to see if it was fake or not. You somebody, wanted some chaos. Yeah, I wanted somebody. I wanted like a you know an upset, like an upset yeah. over Michigan. You know, like you know, I wanted something like that. Yeah, so. it was close, but JBL pulled the pulled the win out there. Yeah, he and, probably uh, paid somebody off. <laughs> might have. <laughs> It does have that memorable moment where he is uh, Taker choke slams JBL through the, through the hood of the limo. Hearse, oh yeah, the limo. Yeah. It's pretty pretty cool moment there. Yeah. Uh, the three seed was Undertaker and Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam 2015, and number fourteen seed Undertaker and Giant Gonzalez in the Rest in Peace match at SummerSlam 1993. I will not talk about that. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> no comment on the rest in peace match. Uh, but that may that match rest in peace. You know the Brock one is the <laughs> match, right? Yes. They're laughing at each other. Yeah. I, I thought that one had a chance to make it a number one. I, I really did. Um, yeah. And final first round matchup: Undertaker and Randy Orton in two thousand five. That was the eighth seed uh, up against. Um, no, I'm sorry. That was the uh, number six seed. Uh, up against Undertaker and Kama in the casket match in 1995. And I tell you what, my vote went to Undertaker and Kama in the casket match. Uh, I don't think either of those matches are great, but I remember that match a lot more than I remember the Undertaker and Randy Orton match. And I thought it was more fun and more of a classic Undertaker match. So uh, that's the one I wanted to advance, but it ultimately lost to the Randy Orton match. I think that's a recency bias type thing. Randy is such a bigger star now than... But yeah, that common match was fun. So yeah, that feud just kind of was what it was. Randy's lasted longer, you know, as his stars shone shone brighter yeah, as that it. character. I get it. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the second round tournament uh, went with the uh, Edge SummerSlam 2008 up against SummerSlam '99 Undertaker Big Show versus X Pac and Kane. That was so hard for me. I know. So hard for me. Ultimately, I went with the Edge match just because of. There's so much more that goes into it. The other one, tag match, is a blast. It's fun, but it's just, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the Edge one means more and a a longer-lasting legacy and more iconic, and the storytelling is better. It it got a tough draw here in the tournament. Did it? Good. Well, no, I'm saying, like, if it had gone against some of these other matches, I think it could have been them. I think it could have been a Final Four. 
yeah. matchup. You know, like I think if it was that match against the JBL match or against the Put Randy some Orton match. On that match, I, I think it could have beaten either of those in advance, but uh, just a tough draw going against the number one seed mm-hmm. match there. Uh, up next was Stone Cold, nineteen ninety eight against Mankind, nineteen ninety six, and I was very happy to see the Boiler Room Brawl match advance because I do think that is the better match. Uh, even if the Highway to Hell storyline is more memorable and more classic, I think that Boiler Room Brawl knocks it out of the park. Oh, without question. And again, we talked about Austin and Taker have better TV matches than they do pay-per-view matches. Yes. So, yeah, build up. That one was all a lot of sizzle, not a lot of steak. But mm. then the Boiler Room Brawl was the opposite of that. It was great, man, all around. Yeah, just super iconic. And yeah, like you said, ahead of its time, man. It really is. It's one of the first cinematic matches that we ever got mm-hmm. in WWE. And uh, very unique. Uh, and I think it gets better with age. Uh, the next... Uh, quarterfinal matchup Undertaker Bret Hart 97 against Undertaker JBL 2004 really no question here what's going to advance you know JBL didn't yeah. have a chance going up against this match nope no that's it enough said <laughs> uh and then Brock Lesnar faced off against Randy Orton so it's kind of cool two guys uh ruthless aggression two 2002 guys two OVW guys that Taker faced at SummerSlam uh 10 years apart one was in 05 one in 15 mm-hmm. and the Lesnar match uh gets the victory there yeah moves on any question with that call no is that the end of that match where they he flicks him off or taps out or something is that the yes. questionable yeah it's okay. a questionable finish where yeah, Undertaker's pinning Brock, but yeah. tapping out at the same time. Yeah, so Undertaker right. technically wins it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so that gave us the final four of Undertaker Edge 2008 up against Undertaker Mankind 96, and then Undertaker Bret Hart 97 against Undertaker Lesnar 2015. Pretty stacked those, final four. When I saw the 16, those are the four. I was like, those are going to be the four at the end. So I just knew it because of how it was played out, how it laid out. I mean. So, and I can't disagree with that, you know, and those yeah. are great. And those seeds are great because I think the ones that wind up making it past this round are the two best. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think Highway to Hell could have been in there based on fan votes. And, and I think, like we said, that tag team match for SummerSlam 99 had the tournament broke another way. I think that could have snuck in there to the final four. I wouldn't have been mad about that yeah. at all. Luck either. of the draw. But uh, yeah, Edge. 2008 gets the victory over the Boiler Room Brawl. A very, very tough call. Um, And I think, you know, again, maybe that one is generational too. Like two very unique gimmick matches and and two very important matches in Undertaker's career. Two great rivals there. Uh, But Edge ultimately got the victory there. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, that one was, I knew it was going to be tough for some people, but I just, to me, that edge match it just it seals it for me. And then Bret Hart ninety seven got the victory over Brock Lesnar twenty fifteen. As it should. Oh man, I, I think that was a toss up for me. Um I, I love them both and, and and I thought I thought Undertaker's performance against Brock Lesnar was so important in his career too because he, mm-hmm. it was coming off losing the streak and it was coming off you know some not so great matches. So um man I I, uh, I thought that was could have gone either way. Yeah, well, again, my love for that Brett match is just un, as unrivaled. Well, we're only rivaled by the Edge match as far as SummerSlam. So, yeah, so this one, it was going to come down to those two for me. So, um, 
Well, those were the finals. Undertaker versus Edge, SummerSlam 2008, Hell in a Cell versus Undertaker, Bret Hart, SummerSlam 1997, Heart and Soul, WWF Championship on the line, Shawn Michaels as the referee, two main event matches, uh, 11 years apart, and the victor of the fans voting. It was very, very close. I believe it was 52% to 48%. Uh, one match won the Twitter poll. Another match won the Instagram poll. Instagram poll ended up having more votes to it. And so that match was Undertaker versus Edge. SummerSlam 2008 got the victory in a very, very close call. As it should have been. And yeah, this is where I want to talk about these real quick because I've been saving a lot of my comments for this part. Because yeah, again, I went back and listened to both of our episodes of these because I know that those two those are my two favorite SummerSlam two of my favorite Taker matches in the first place and then two okay. of my definitely my two favorite SummerSlam was but um you joked on our episode about Heart and Soul that it was Brett versus Sean and uh <laughs> we were like yeah basically is but again Taker plays such a pivotal role in that whole thing where you got the you got this match and then you got Ground Zero then you got um uh Bad Blood and then yep. you know that feeds into into um, Survivor, Survivor Series, Series with the screw job, you know. Sure. So yeah. all of that Taker is a player in that whole bit. Yeah. And if you want to see a match that again, I think that we we mentioned it on our episode, the '96 Royal Rumble match between Brett and Taker is probably a better match physically. This one could have been about five minutes less, but um, but the story is more important than the matches, the in ring, the story of Sean and Brett. You know, uh, Sean was going to never wrestle in, uh, or Brett was going to never wrestle in North America again. Or like it was just the stakes were high. They had, you know, there was that actual, there was the on-screen rivalry and also the backstage rivalry. And seeing that, and uh, the ending of this match is one of my favorite endings of all matches of all time. It's just nobody. It's it's a Pat Patterson finish, and you only get one chance to get it right on live television. And when, when Sean. Hits Taker with that uh, chair on accident. Brett moves, and then Brett immediately covers him, and Sean stares at him in the eyes as he counts to one, two, three. You know he didn't want to do it, but he had to yep. because he didn't want to, you know, give up what he what the stakes were for him. Yeah. And then Sean just rolls out and is angry and is pitching the fit. Like it was just, oh man, it is a beautiful story that's told there in that ring again throughout the whole match, but specifically at the end right there. It is just, it doesn't get any better almost no better than that so it's awesome and i would argue i mean i agree with everything you said i i would argue the storytelling with undertaker and edge is is right up there with it that's the one that gets a little bit better that's the one that yeah i said it doesn't get any better than that but it does because of this match i think that the edge match takes it up one more notch so you're right um you've got their story's been built forever you know edge and taker and they kind of have to take a break for a little bit because i think is it taker gets injured or edge i think they both get injured at some point in there but they're they're their rivalry goes forever. It's going to continue going. And uh, this this match is where – that's the summer of 08 when the Dark Knight comes out and when Edge literally says that in interviews later, like, I got this this version of Edge from Heath Ledger's Joker. And, like, we talked about it on the episode. He we starts – yeah. he stops, like, shaving. He stops, stops washing his hair so he looks disheveled. He does that promo – on the ground laying down yeah, by the with, ring with and Vicky. It, yeah yeah and it is just it is next level stuff that you wouldn't see nowadays and it's just they let him be him and he had bags under his eyes and just the he was just so consumed with one taker and taker was playing in that story because him and vicky were uh 
you know, Vicky brought Taker back out of after she fired him right. to get back at in Edge, and just the whole the whole way it, it worked out, and, and the match itself is just genius. And there's callbacks to their previous encounters. And there's yes. going to be even more callbacks in the future matches to this one, and just the way it all comes together is again the only better storytelling from that Sean, Sean and or Brett and his match is this match. Like it's just it's beautiful, man. It is just an absolute work of art <laughs> as far as both of these go. So. Well, it was the number one seed overall in our Creatures of the Night, our uh, PSK, Pod Street crew, as uh, I'm going to call them from now on. They have yeah, uh, <laughs> they have reinforced that Love with their it. votes and added to that and uh, established that as the Undertaker's greatest SummerSlam match of all time. Uh, of course, if you disagree, if you voted for Bret Hart, uh, or if you voted for something else, if you think something else should have taken that number one spot, we would love to hear your opinions. And uh, be sure to let us know at Talking Taker, uh, wherever you follow us, and, and let us know your thoughts on that tournament. But it was very fun. appreciate everyone who voted every day for those and followed along with it. It was fun to do. Maybe we'll do that with some other Undertaker uh, legacies at some different pay-per-views. We'll try to find his greatest matches there. But, uh, you know, I think he really is. He may be Mr. SummerSlam because... Uh, Him or Brett, I think. Yeah. So many great opponents. Like, look at that list of legends that we ran through there. A-Train. Like, A-Train, Test, <laughs> Canyon, Lesnar, Orton, <laughs> Bret Hart, Edge, um, Stone Cold, Steve Austin... <laughs> so many great ones there so many unique matches tag team matches cage matches casket matches hell in a cell mid card lower card main event world title he was all over the place at SummerSlam so yep pretty cool stuff oh yeah it is and that was a great idea man I'm glad you did this it was awesome so I really enjoyed going back and listening to those two episodes and and those are two of my I just love those two matches man it's so good you could write it they could do it a, a rivals thing on edge and take I it. would love that. That whole yes. thing, because that carried us through the summer of 08 on SmackDown while Raw had Sean they and Jericho, which, again, they they could be, they could be like, a, like a, a Rivals Rivals episode. <laughs> Both of those and how they rivaled each Smackdown other while Raw. rivaling each other. Yeah, oh, yeah, there you go, Andy. All right, so like I said, uh, I want to thank all our fans for voting in our uh, uh, SummerSlam tournament there, and I want to thank the fans out Rock there. Rock the vote. I want to thank the fans out there for asking some questions here for our final segment here on our fifth anniversary episode. Um, very, very special. You know, we, we celebrated 200 episodes a little while ago, and that was a big deal. But I wanted to take a little time and celebrate five years of podcasting, too, because that is, uh, you know, podcasts come and go uh, these days. And I certainly didn't think or, or have any idea that we'd be here five years later going strong uh with talking taker podcast me and you travis uh, i love it i still love doing it here um every month uh even rather than oh, yeah. every week i still look forward to it one of my favorite nights of the month is when we get to record and i wanted to celebrate that and celebrate that legacy a little bit we don't always put ourselves over but i think that's a pretty big accomplishment here um couple notes on that are uh our most listened episode over the past five years. Any guesses? Kane, uh, WrestleMania 98-14? Go a couple months earlier than that to Royal Rumble 1998. Undertaker and Shawn Michaels in wow. casket match. Yeah, I don't know why, but for some reason, that's our number one Ugh. most downloaded episode. Wow. Um, 
Undertaker himself on his five-year anniversary. Uh, his uh, competed, uh, you know, his, his debut November twenty-second, nineteen ninety. Uh, he competed the on November twenty-first, nineteen ninety-five at SummerSlam. Excuse me, Survivor Series nineteen ninety-five. Yeah. That's when he teamed up with Fatu and Henry Godwin and Savio Vega up against uh, the Kings Courts, Jerry Lawler, King Mabel, Triple H, and Isaac Yankum. And the, the dark side team dominated them. That's when they were all wearing Undertaker t-shirts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, on his actual five-year anniversary, on the 22nd of 1995, he, was, he did compete at a Monday Night Raw taping. And uh, I'll give you $100 if you can guess who he defeated on that night. 95? Ooh. I got no idea who it would be. Ninety-five. Uh, 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 Drosy. Dude, <laughs> Drosy. No, not this time. It was Sir Mo. Undertaker had a one-on-one match with Sir Mo. <sighs> <laughs> was who I hear is not doing too well nowadays. Yeah, oh, shout out to Sir heart. Mo. Yeah, yeah, uh, Sir Mo. Yeah, nice. What a great way to celebrate five years of competing. <laughs> <laughs> What a great anniversary present. Apparently, he actually also faced Bret Hart in a dark match at those Raw tapings. So, there uh, we go. Slightly better. better there. <laughs> and, yeah, man. Um, so, just a couple five-year anniversary thoughts there. Um, and, like I said, I got some questions from the fans that we can run through. It's just uh, uh, quick and dirty here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, first up was from Clay Daniel, who was on our... Uh, uh, episode 200 uh, he, he submitted a little comment on there for our thank you taker episode he asked um, uh, what is your favorite SummerSlam of all time I don't know oh man favorite SummerSlam ah shoot oh nine is really good I think is that a Probably not my favorite. I just that one stands out to me. Is that Punk and Hardy at the uh, in the the ladder match? Yes. Kofi and Randy. <laughs> I think uh, so. I think that one. I don't. I don't really. I don't really have one that stands out. Like as far as I don't know. Ninety two stands out, but it's not my favorite. Um, Ninety two is man. one of my favorites. I, I love ninety one. Uh, is one I always watched a bunch as a kid with uh, Bret Hart and Mister Perfect and uh, all that stuff on there. Oh wait 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 wait. Probably not. Maybe ninety seven. Ninety seven starts out with. Maybe ninety seven. It starts out with Triple H and Mankind in the in the blue bar steel cage. Yep. And then ends with Brett and uh, and that that might be one. That's pretty good. I mean, SummerSlam ninety eight is very fun uh, all the way through. It's just like peak Attitude Era stuff. Yeah. Two thousand two is great with uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H, Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio. Yep. Rock and And, Rock. Yep, you're right. That's That's it. That's it. Sorry. I didn't think about that. Yep, O2. Uh, Clay also asked us, favorite wrestler that is not Undertaker or Kane? Shawn Michaels. That's my guess, too. Man, that's uh, just like that's my go-to. That's what grew up uh, favorite guy. Sting uh, made me a fan. I still love Sting. He's still wrestling like a crazy person. But I lost <laughs> I mean, I lost, I lost a bit of him in TNA and stuff. But like, yeah. so Shawn, Shawn Michaels is, my, is, is the, the best, I think. What about... Um, just favorite wrestler right now, currently. Oh, probably, 
I mean, AJ Styles is one of my favorites, but as far as like a younger guy, yeah. I mean, I love, I love, I absolutely love Roman Reigns. I absolutely love Roman Reigns. He is, him or Seth, man, there's nobody better than those two guys right now on TV. They're, yeah. sorry, AEW fans, there's nobody <laughs> doing it better than Roman Reigns. You can cry all you want about him not being there and this and that and the other. He makes you want to see him. When he's there, it's important. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I can't argue Nobody that. does a main event match better than Roman Reigns right now. So, anyway, what about you? Man, I uh, you don't watch as much as I, I do, don't, like. but like um, from what I see in AEW, I, I really like that that uh, Daniel Garcia kid. I, I like watching him wrestle. Um, I like I like Theory. Uh, I like he, he gets uh, a lot of hate theory. online, but I like I, I think he's really impressive, and he I gets think it. for sure he's going to be a star one day. Uh, as far as really young guys, I mean, I still. Anytime Daniel Bryan wrestles, yep. it blows me away. Yep. Uh, doesn't matter who he faces; nope. uh, it's just it's going to be a great match. Um, that FTR always puts on a, a show, a great match. Anytime they're in the ring, Cody. Cody, man. I love Cody Rhodes. Uh, Cody I watch Rhodes. Cody wrestle no matter what. I lost a lot of interest in him when he went to AEW, and just I mean, I, lo- I love when he left WWE and that list he made, and I loved all that stuff. In AEW, I got I lost a little bit. Of interest in him, just um, I don't know, just because. But now I, his comeback to WWE has been one of the greatest things. Well, he won an SB. Beat the Undertaker. <laughs> he beat the Undertaker. Won That's an SB. Right. Congratulations. I it was well deserved, man. When you're up against Taker's Hall of Fame speech, Austin coming back, and Big E win the title, and you win that. That's awesome. Good for Cody. Uh, Jokerius Torrance, who was also part of our Thank You Taker episode. Yes. He uh, he said. Uh, would you guys love to do a Halloween video where all of us dress up as Taker and do a quick impression of the Undertaker? And I said, absolutely, we absolutely. Will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no other answer. There's that. no question. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I lost who wrote this one, but uh, I said, ask us anything. So it's not all wrestling related, but said perfect Adam Sandler or Jim Carrey and favorite movie from each. Just which one would I take? What's your, what's your pick? And then favorite movie from each. Oh, I, Adam Sandler. Ooh, I absolutely love Adam Sandler. I'm Jim Carrey, man, all the way. Oh, I love Adam Sandler. I uh, do too. But Cajun I, Man. Just, the best. <laughs> I'd rather watch a best of Adam Sandler SNL video than a best oh, of Jim Carrey. I mean. uh, best of Jim Carrey on Color Me Bad, or what was it called? In Living, <laughs> Living Color. Uh, but I tell you what, that run of Ace Ventura, Mask, oh, Dumb absolutely. and Dumber, like when yeah. we are, what, like eight years eight, old? Eight, nine years old, yeah. Nothing better in the world. Well... I don't know because you got Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, and you get I just and so not on the same level to, to me to take questions. Well, I think Billy Madison, it, Billy Madison's hands down. Well, uh, Billy Madison or Wedding Singer, Billy Madison's hands down my favorite uh, Adam Sandler movie, Wedding Singer number two. Uh, Jim Carrey favorite movie, one of my favorite movies ever, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Hmm. I can quote Billy Madison and Ace Ventura. I can have a whole day. You could I'm only quote that. I wouldn't speak English. <laughs> I would just only quote those movies and make it through the whole day and somehow make it work. Dumb and Dumber, I love those movies. Dumb and Dumber for me for Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler. Man, I honestly like it's talking like favorite movie like Bedtime Story. So good. <laughs> no, one of the so worst good. movies I've ever seen. So good. No, uh, so good. I'd say like Fifty First Dates. Like I just I, oh, I, I always that like that one when it's on TV. I hate that one. Grown up. I, I can't stand Drew Barrymore though. I, I love oh, Grown Ups, Grown Ups is one of my least favorite movies I've ever seen in my life. What? Hated it. Wow. Best, best part of that movie, best comment in that movie is uh, when he shakes hands with Chris Rock. It's like shaking hands with, with an eagle. That's the best, the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> so good. 
So, that movie sucks. I hate God, everything about no it. No way, man. And, oh, I uh, absolutely hate it. Unbelievable. unbelievable. Absolutely hate it. it. But Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura is one of the greatest comedies of all time, man. It's just so good. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I don't see who wrote this one. But um, kind of goes along. Uh, we had a couple of questions about this. Uh, thoughts on all the changes going on in WWE recently? And then uh, Sam Valenti. Well, Sam Valenti. I'm just, I'm oh, okay, okay. I'm totally kidding. I was about to say. <laughs> totally uh, he also asked um, thoughts on Triple H taking over creative. So uh, those are kind of the same question. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts I mean, on all of this with uh, Vince McMahon and Triple H and everything going on? Uh, this has been a wild year. You know, you and I, you brought it up that 2002 is probably one of the wildest years mm-hmm. in wrestling history. Uh, just as far as the business changing and people who came back to WWE and them changing their name and them get to FL, all of a sudden, just everything that changed, all the new crop of talent that came in, brand split, everything. But this year, 20 years later, may rival it. It's getting up there, dude. We got Shane got dumped out of the company. You know, Cody's back. Right. CM Punk is a world champion. Co- Cody in who went and started another company. And then crashed the throne of Triple A. Oh, yeah. At their show. Like, yeah. He came back at yeah. WrestleMania. And, yeah. And beat one of the top guys three times in a row. Like, it's just incredible. And then, yeah, you got this whole thing with Vince and the allegations and him re- retiring and whatever it is. And he's gone. I mean, I never thought there'd be a day. I thought he would outlive us. You know? <laughs> he still might thought... outlive us. Well, I thought his run <laughs> at the top of WWE might outlive yeah, us. Exactly. But, yeah, just him leaving and then Hunter had to retire. And then. And then Austin came out of retirement and had a match at WrestleMania. Uh, it's well, just, Vince it's been a had crazy, a match at WrestleMania. Vince had a match. It, it's been a crazy year for wrestling all around. You know, uh, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view is nuts. They, they pulled that off, man. Crazy. Everything. I'm, I'm not just sticking there to eat. Everything has just been crazy. Tony Khan buys Ring of Honor. It's just, <laughs> right. it's insane. Everything has been crazy this year. And it's July uh, so far. And now <laughs> Stephanie's the CEO <laughs> There's a Nick Khan's at the head of WWE and a Khan's the head of AEW. And now Triple H is in what I think is his rightful spot, the head of creative. Um, well, we you talked, can't tell me. Well, we talked a little bit about at the beginning of the show or before we went on the air, like uh, about what is that going to mean? What is it going to look like for Triple yeah. H to, to take over creative? I mean, how, how do you think that's all going to shake out? Well, first of all, it ain't going to happen overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day. So some people that complained about the most recent Raw that only, you know, it was the night that we found out he took over creative. Like some of this stuff was set in plans were set in motion a long time ago, you know, so you got to give they, them a chance. They've got a pay-per-view in six days. Yeah, and they have, the, they have the castle pay-per-view like the next month. They've already right. got, it's going to be Drew and Roman or Drew and Brock, whatever, like you know that. So there's already stuff that's set in stone they have to, they have to be up with. But I think, I mean, I NXT black and gold from 2012 or whatever to 2021 when they changed to NXT 2.0. I still love 2.0, but it's not the same. But that run, those nine years, NXT was my favorite weekly show. Like it was SmackDown in 2016, give it a run for his money, but NXT was bar none my favorite wrestling show. It may not have been the biggest names, but it put on the best wrestling product, and it was very reminiscent of a WCW NWA days. Great storytelling, long term storytelling. Uh, didn't have to see every person every single week. Uh, vignettes, you know, people mattered. Everyone on the show mattered from the jobbers to the main event guys. <laughs> Everybody mattered just like the attitude era did. So I think we're going to get to back to a lot of that. 
you know, but it's going to take time. You know, people got to be patient with it, but I think Hunter's got a great, great wrestling mind. And I think that he was, he's a great choice for the top, you know? So I'd say I'm, you know, I, I share a lot of that. I'm a little more cautiously optimistic about it. Um, Cause I do think, yeah, for sure. Obviously things aren't going to change overnight. No. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of plans in place, a lot of direction in place. Um, and I do think, you know, as much as yeah, NXT had a different voice and a different vision to it. Um, you know, I, I think there's just some sort of mentality with WWE, uh, raw SmackDown sort of things that is sort of like, there's only so much you can change. Like there's mm-hmm. this so much NXT was kind of off and it still is often its own bubble. Yeah. WWE, uh, the main product, the main brand has so many things that they have to answer to as yes, far exactly. as sponsors and, and networks yep. and brands and all this sort of stuff, uh, live events and, you know, whatever merchandising. Yep. I don't TV right stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like it is so such a big machine that we're yes. stockholders and everything. We're not getting back to the attitude era. Like no, anyone who's no. hoping for that and dreaming for that, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to become the same thing. Doesn't matter if it goes TV fourteen or not. It, it, we're just not going to get back to that same. I don't place. even want to go TV fourteen. No, not necessarily. No. Um, Undertaker actually talked about that at that Comic Con panel. He's like, you know, someone saying a curse word uh, a whole bunch of times is not going to make for great television. Like, right. if someone if you work it in organically and you make that word matter where someone says it that one time, Ron Simmons, that <laughs> bingo. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but he made a I good mean, point about that. Um, but yeah, I even triple H, even if he wants to, I'm not sure he can totally change what WWE oh, no. is. Certainly not overnight. Definitely. I wouldn't say for another, you know, year or years after the fact, like there's, yeah. And you still got other people on creative. You've still got, mm-hmm. you know, writers. I don't think Stephanie McMahon is that much different of a mindset than Vince McMahon. Like they're mm-hmm. focused more on the brand rather yeah. than storylines and week to week television. And yeah. I don't think that's going to go away completely. No, people are saying like oh i hope people get their names back or oh i hope we stop with these camera cuts Just don't hold your breath like yeah, I, I don't exactly. think all of that stuff is going to change no. it's certainly not going to change overnight uh you know if it does um but yeah. i do hope you know it'll be he is i think triple h has more of a wrestling. modern day wrestling mind yeah. and That's is it more that, in yeah. tune with things than certainly Vince McMahon is obviously you can't question Vince McMahon's vision over the years. And he's had, you know, way more successes than failures. Mm-hmm. But I think just having a fresh voice yeah. that is not an outsider, that is a wrestler that has been through the business. I think that's going to overall be a net positive. And uh, it's, it, yeah. it, it's, it could lead to some really cool things. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, all the people, like, yeah, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not claiming for a big league NXT black and gold, but I, yeah, just I don't think, think as you far were. As yeah. The success that he had at it, he knows what he's doing. But yeah, you're right. It's not going to, I don't want that. I want, I still want Raw and SmackDown to feel different than the NXT, you know, and I want it to be more sports entertainment. But yeah, as far as just cohesion and maybe, maybe when a Karrion Cross gets called up, he won't have a helmet on this time and lose to Jeff right. Hardy and, 10 seconds or like yeah. maybe there'll be a little yeah. more stock taken into that kind of stuff in fact carrying cross and scarlet are still independent still from agents. what i from what i know so anyway yeah 
But some people are like, oh, I bet Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era are waiting to go back to eight. I don't think they are, dude. They moved on. I don't want them all back just because Hunter's on top. It's not about that. It's just he's gonna do he's gonna do the best with what he's got, you know. So anyway, there were some uh, good memes online. Uh, I liked the one with uh, Key and Peel, the sketch where like Obama's going to shake hands with everybody. And did you see that one where he's like shaking hands with all the NXT guys and everything, oh, yeah. like basically like ignoring all the main roster guys. <laughs> yeah. But like <laughs> yeah. when he comes up on the NXT guys, like yeah. giving them hugs. What's and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, and then these uh, the next few questions, uh, we got some podcast-related questions, which is uh, cool. That's kind of what I wanted here. Uh, Mark Short, uh, who is always loyal and interacting on Facebook, always uh, giving us uh, great props and everything over on Facebook, said, congratulations on five years. Never had a bad episode in that time. I uh, appreciate Thanks. that. He said, do you have a favorite episode over the past five years? Mm. Well... Man, one of my favorites was one of the first ones that was at International. Was it an International Incident or uh, it was the one that got deleted and then we had to we we lost it and then we had to redo it. <laughs> See, I don't remember but which that, one that was. I don't but, remember what. Yeah, it was. I was sitting outside and the bugs chirping all around me and it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was early on, something in '97, I think '98, yeah. but it was. Uh, Man, it was a blast. Like, just I remember that one just being off the rails. Like, we started talking about Tim Allen and Woody, and so, it was just <laughs> some I don't know, man. It was nuts. That was fun, and I lost but, um, it. I did, no one ever heard it besides well, us. But, but but the the other the one we redid when we found we lost it was still it was still a blast. Like yeah. we still had a good time with it, and um, I, I do love that one. But I love the ones I love the ones when we're uh, when we got to do them live together. Yeah, like for sure. The hundred was it the hundredth one we did was uh, we did uh, WrestleMania twenty. Yep. Just the the way that worked out, man, was insane. Like we got to be together to do that one, and then the one, who it would have been, was with as an edge match. We were together at Mania or at, yep. at in March uh, when we met Taker right that, before COVID. That Chuckle was down. WrestleMania twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. yeah, that those were really good. And then the last episode, well, <laughs> supposed to be last episode, right? Of know? course. Yeah. Was good. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed those. Yeah. It's just a different vibe, you know. I really enjoyed. The first time we did the Royal Rumble watch along, it was ninety seven. Oh yes, uh, and that, <laughs> that was, was a blast. You, you came up. Uh, it was like January uh, or, or February to uh, twenty eighteen. It was, it was yeah. my, my birthday. You, you came up and spent the weekend, and yeah. uh, we recorded like three episodes, and we did that one just because kind of like an experiment because we it weren't originally yeah. covering the Royal Rumbles, right? Because there wasn't a lot of storyline stuff to talk yep. about. But we we're like, well, let's just give it a shot. You know, Conrad always does watch-alongs on his show. We'll, we'll we'll see how it is, and if it sucks, you know, we won't post it but man we just had a blast and then we yeah we did world rumble watch alongs forever after that um that was was our first watch along yeah it was it was great yeah and then we did we did uh some some gold dust matches too i think or a mankind and a gold dust match at your house too right right right, right. that too but yeah those were those are our first like actual in person but yeah that that one that rumble 97 with the crazy like all the The luchadors yeah (laughs) we had no idea what their names were honestly the Royal Rumble 01 when my daughter is uh, going nuts and I'm having to have we like said like what sneak happening there? <laughs> yeah, I don't even I know don't if know like if people know. I don't even know if we talked about yeah. it on there, but like I don't know. <laughs> to talk about it. Well, yeah, it was Royal Rumble 01 watch along. I'm on my couch in our old house and my daughter is 
very young. I mean, just less than a year old. I'm holding her. My wife's asleep, and she was quiet watching podcasts. And then she, which you getting... did quite a bit. Like, yeah, 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 that you, was. You could often hear your daughter yeah. making noises in some early, yeah. some episodes from around that yeah. time. But um, she was losing her mind this night, and I was trying to watch along. So you can't, we can't pause what we're doing because right. we'll lose you guys. So I have to. to I, I muted me, and I walked into the kitchen, made her a bottle, uh, warmed it up, shook it up while I'm watching with you, trying to come back in and out, making comments so that you know I don't sound like I'm distracted. <laughs> You're trying to carry that part of the match because I'm. It's kind of like. You know, I'm I'm concussed. You know, in in hell in the highway to hell match, and you're carrying it while I'm out. So, uh, and then I get the bottle back in her mouth. And I sit down on the couch, and we just move on like nothing ever happened. You and, did. Uh, scam. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a fun night. You're real a real pro, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if we'd have had the video back then, it would have been something else. That's true. <laughs> man, I uh, I also I, I gotta give a shout out. Like honestly everything we've done in the past year where we've been like the monthly episodes, these have been some of my favorites. Like the, uh, like I said, the Memphis episode, Oh, the, the Japanese, my up there. the Japanese Royal Rumble, the draft yeah. with Turco, dude, that oh, was yeah. so much fun. All, all those sort of like yeah. offshoot episodes, like the, uh, yeah. ECW episode or the, the fantasy opponents episode like things like that uh, i always have really enjoyed yeah. those um as far as favorite episodes uh mike prue bottom line wrestling cast a uh, very very good friend of the show brother yeah. podcast said what is one episode that after you finished recording it you came out of it thinking the topics and the match covered were much more fun to discuss than you thought that they would have been and he said he'll hang up and listen for the answer <laughs> um i can tell you which ones were brutal and that was the ken anderson ones our mr kennedy ones uh we still had some fun with them, but i wasn't surprised at how like i was like these kind of suck and the big show ones i honestly i think i had more fun making fun of the big that run of like four big show matches in a row i think i had more fun making fun of all that stuff uh and i think that's the, what he's asking yeah. yeah like those were brutal to go into and when we came out i was like this was kind of fun, but the the Kennedy ones, I think that I still just don't like Kennedy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's what I was going to say. It was um, recently I, I went back and listened to some of those Mr. Kennedy episodes uh, because I uh, collecting dead man, uh, Steven Zeman, he did uh, watch along him and Randy Turco are doing watch alongs for every of the undertakers gimmick matches throughout history Ooh. every type of gimmick match so they did the last ride matches with uh jbl and mr kennedy so i went yeah. i listened to their watch along then i went back and listened to our episodes about them and <laughs> some of those, those kennedy feud there was so much funny stuff going on with teddy long the mvp, MVP and teddy, yeah. so much good stuff man i was like laughing listening back to us mm-hmm. i didn't remember it but uh, there was some just some great clips of Teddy Long in there and so much funny stuff that uh, I really enjoyed hearing us talk about those. So stuff like yeah. that, you know, we always have found a way um, to uh, enjoy our conversations about the matches, even if the yeah. matches themselves are brutal. And sometimes yeah. those are the best episodes because we can like actually riff. Exactly. Some of the ones where it's not, some of the ones we're super excited for about the match and we love the match. It's almost like 
too passionate about it to make fun of it. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, but no, like, seriously. I remember yeah. one of my favorites I'll listen to once a year is, uh, golly, it's, um, it's him. It's Taker versus, uh, Ron Simmons. Uh, yep, I knew you were going to say it. Yeah. That one. <laughs> I mean, that storyline is the storyline is this fruit. You're the number contender. All right. That's it. And, uh, that's the whole storyline. <laughs> But that episode is one of my favorites. You one got of my Ahmed Johnson favorites. running yeah. wild. The cheek, <laughs> the cheek is on the loose. There's a lot of racist it, it stuff was on going the loose. on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's the White Knight. It's just yeah, it is a lot of cool stuff. That episode, go check that out, you guys, if you haven't. Um, I'll throw a question in from uh, Alex Dorio. Uh, at oh, Alex okay. Dorio. Um, Long time listener, first time caller. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I think you've ranked the Batman movies before, but I don't think we talked about the Batman with Robert Pattinson. Uh, so that's the most recent Batman movie, man. Travis, give us your thoughts on that. Cause I got to admit, I, I, uh, I never watched it. I enjoy the different take on it. Batman's my favorite superhero, my favorite comic book character. I love the character, all the iterations of it. I enjoy the different take on it where he's a detective. I really like this storyline. Um, really like Pattinson. Pattinson did a great job as him. I know people are like, it's a Twilight guy, dude. He can act and he's a really good actor. Um, once he got past the Twilight, you know, he's, he's really good. Um, he did a good job. I liked the casting they did, but, um, I was very disappointed in the language of it. Um, I'm not, Batman's great. If it's campy or if it's serious and dark and gritty, you can still take your kids to see it. This one was b- brutal with the language. I'll never take my kids to see it, so I'm upset about that. They kind of soured Batman for me. So I will tell you that's a thumbs down for me as far as that. I probably won't ever watch it again, um, but I would recommend it if you're a Batman fan. See it. It's a good storyline, really good storyline. Uh, and you get to see Batman be more of a detective than mm, probably ever before, yeah. you know, uh, which is okay. he's supposed to be the world's greatest detective. So it's nice to see that aspect of him play out on TV. Uh, probably could have cut about 30 minutes out of the movie um, <laughs> and it would have been all right, too. But it's hard for me to say because I would lo- usually love more Batman. But, uh, you know, it's a good storyline. They did a good job for the story, I will say. Now, I know and they, a- they changed some things from canon, yeah. too. But not in a way that makes me upset. Sometimes when they change stuff, it's like, oh, well, they do that. No, these are like, whoa, that's a cool take on that. I love what they did with that. So that was neat. Now, anyway, I, go ahead. I know there's another Joker movie coming out. Is there what's what's the plans for Batman? Is there another Pattinson movie coming out? Are yeah, they, they announced yeah. that. Matt Reeves is doing Batman too. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, and there's a deleted scene for it. Uh, online that they released like the week after the movie with the Joker in it where Joker and Batman Batman interviews Joker I'm like why wasn't this in the movie yeah so it's it's great uh, dude did a great job but anyway okay. whatever so yeah I right. give it a thumb in the middle fair enough yeah uh, and let's end it with our our buddy Pokey's little dog Randy Turco um, he asked about uh, yes. Gotta end it with Turco. Asked a few questions. Asked about any Summer Sam content coming our our way, and uh, of course we'll talk about that on next month's episode, our trip there. I'm gonna try to vlog while we're there and get some video footage for the Talking Taker YouTube channel as well. Uh, he asked <clears throat> who our favorite podcast guest has been over the past five years. Kind of fishing for a compliment there. Good father. <laughs> but uh, said <laughs> uh, he asked about favorite episodes record. We kind of talked about that, and then said. 
At five years in, Undertaker himself was kind of just hitting his stride, and there were still many changes to come for him. How about the podcast? Where do you see Talking Taker in another five years? Still going? Maybe on NBC, live after Saturday Night Live, or after Raw in Lafem Nikita's old spot? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I just thought it'd be fun to end with that, man, because I think if you had asked us in 2017 where we'd be in 2022, honestly never could have predicted, man. Like, our, uh, just not just podcast wise like our lives you and i we we've both had children born since we started this podcast we've both moved uh i've moved a couple times a couple different houses <laughs> yeah we've both started different jobs completely mm-hmm. different jobs um i think i've had like five or six different jobs since we started the podcast <laughs> that's another story um and then oh. you know we've uh, uh We've made fans. We've met fans. We've met The Undertaker himself. Uh, he signed a poster of our yeah. logo. He said your catchphrase yep. uh, on, we have it on recording. It begins every episode. Um, just so much cool stuff has happened. And like we said, we, we kind of started this at the perfect time with The Undertaker's career because we thought it was over. And yet, there's been so much awesome stuff that's mm-hmm. happened in the five years. Like, honestly, we couldn't have started it at a better time. Right. I don't think, um, I don't, who it's, I can't even predict what we'll be doing five years from now. If there will still be a podcast, will people still listen to podcasts? Who even knows? We might be virtual reality at that point. Yeah, we'll be in the metaverse. The metaverse. So, yeah, no, I mean, maybe I'll have a sequel to, to take her easy. Uh, the song by then, so who knows? That's been that was fun. I would, if you told me five years ago, I would have written a parody of "Take It Easy" and sung it live at a concert. How does that know? So that's funny. Yeah, no, I had no idea. I thought we'd be done with his matches and then be done, and uh, we, that was the plan. But then having fun doing it and still coming back to doing it, and I, I guarantee you this: we couldn't do it weekly now. I if if we were still doing weekly ones, it ain't no way I could keep up with it. And this with my life now, and you probably not either because of having a newborn. So yeah, it's a lot takes a lot of, of, of effort and time i think it was a sweet spot we hit um yeah, there's a lot of true. research a lot of research for some of these matches especially attitude era is a lot to watch every week and keep up with so um yeah yeah, yeah i was gonna ask you like what was we think was the biggest challenge in doing this over the past five years and uh, oh just that being able to find the time to amongst the busy schedule i have and and having kids and and because, uh, again, I, I don't like to just put my kids in another room and say, guys, I got to research talking taker. I mean, I do it when they all go to sleep. You know, I got some time with my wife, too. So it's just like as late nights, you know, taking notes and this and that and then sharing them with each other, making sure we are good to go. And but, yeah, you've done all the editing and all that stuff. You don't you're the you're the uh, the uh, techno wizard on all this stuff. So <laughs> I couldn't do any of that stuff. But, um, yeah, no, the, the biggest challenge was just timing, trying to make sure we got our, our deadlines in by by each week and we could record every every tuesday for a friday friday episode drop so that was the toughest part but like I said, I, in no way i could do that nowadays so yeah you know those first yeah you know, first uh 10 12 episodes or so maybe more than that like we were recording two at a time like it's your job yeah because i was off every other week yeah you couldn't really you you were working one week off one week and the weeks you were working you really couldn't uh record yeah 
Uh, and that was fine because we there wasn't so much to research. Yes. There wasn't so much stuff to look at. So we would record these, you know, 20, 30-minute episodes, two at a time, bang them out. Uh, and I'd have plenty of time to get them edited and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then sort of like once we get into 96, 97, and we really started, you know um, – not taking it seriously because we were always taking it seriously. Uh, even if it was, well, just there was more fun, content. To cover. There was just so much more to cover and we wanted yeah. to really get every aspect of it covered. We, we originally were just doing the pay-per-views, but there was like, man, there's so much stuff on raw and then on SmackDown where it was like, we're, we're sometimes cranking through four to anywhere to like 10 or 12 episodes of Raw and SmackDown. If like there yeah. was a big chunk where he wasn't on a pay-per-view or something. And man, there were a lot of weeks where it was like, you know, down to the wire, like mm-hmm. trying to get this stuff watched <laughs> and, and trying to get stuff done. Um, but I'm pretty proud. Like I don't, we really maybe two or three times did we ever miss, you know, mm-hmm. having the episode come out on Friday over five years. Um, and, yeah. so, and some of that, it was recorded, but I messed up the recording. You know, I tried to have it all done, but sometimes I, the computer screwed up or I, I yeah. some personal error and I deleted the episode yeah. or, uh, just, you know, wasn't able to, to get it up there. But, you know, out of 200 episodes, we got, uh, you know, probably 195, 96 of them out there, you know, on schedule. And oh yeah. Was, yeah, that was that was a lot on you too, because I I wanted to take a, or I, I brought up taking a break kind of in between before it became out because the biker taker and you were like, no nah, man, let's just keep going yeah. every week, let's knock it <laughs> out. And I was like, yeah, all right, I guess we're doing this. We're, we're locked in. I wasn't sure, uh, you know. I, yeah, there's probably times where I thought I don't know if we'll ever get to the end of this, but man, you were always yeah. committed to it. Yeah, it was it was tough, but it, I'm glad we did it, man. I, I didn't want to flake out on stuff, but uh, oh, I got a question from uh, Travis White. Yeah. Um, that gummit, I just forgot it. There, monkey talking. <laughs> oh no, I don't know. All right, what is your favorite song at the end that you put on? Because again, true story. I don't ever. I have no suggestions for them. I think maybe one time I suggested one, but those were always a treat for me as I listen back, listening to the clips you're going to put on to it, and listening to the song you put on at the end. What is your favorite song you put on at the end? I think the first time I ever did it was one of the Gold Dust matches, and you you talked about Gold Dust Woman from Fleetwood yeah. Mac. I, I, I yeah. think I threw that there on at the end just as a little joke, and then I started. Yeah. I thought, oh yeah, that'd be fun to do. This is great. Every my, week, one of my favorite parts. Um, this my- might this might be obscure, but my f- favorite one. Uh, that comes to mind is Survivor Series 2001, where I'd put Civil War by Guns N' Roses. Uh-huh. I just that was like a good one. that's that's one of my favorite songs. Like yeah. I, that song, like I love that song, and I just I, I think I had heard it um, on like my running playlist like uh, uh, the couple weeks before, and I just like yeah. knew it was like yep, that's, that's it. that episode, and I, and I had it banked up a few years before that one, and I think. Um, I think I did Glory Days for WrestleMania 20 for 2004. So I'm mm-hmm. going back to the Glory Days. And that was yep. one I thought of like a few weeks before. Like, because I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. Yeah. And I was like, um, I'm always thinking about how to get. I, I want to have different people, you know, yeah. different things on there. I was like, I got to get a Bruce song in here sometime. And I, I thought of that one uh, a few weeks before. So that's awesome. Yeah. Again, my. My favorite, just no questions asked, is again. I like not necessarily my favorite song, but my, the one that popped me the most when I heard it, and I was like, "There's no way!" Is "Devil's Haircut." <laughs> that was yeah. 
It <laughs> got me so good. And that was the, I heard uh, the opening to Devil's Haircut. Was that WrestleMania 28 where he, where he comes out with the short hair for the first time? Yeah, he I cuts his hair in, in the background. Yeah, that when I heard Devil's Haircut, I was he couldn't have been more on the money than that. So <laughs> that was amazing. So anyway, you got to listen. You got to listen to the end every week to to hear the songs on there and. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing to think about. Some, sometimes that stresses me out more than anything else. Oh, I know it does. I, I don't, uh, yeah. Sometimes they just come, like, it's obvious what it's going to be, and then yeah. sometimes I'm, that's the last thing I'm doing. It's like, <laughs> come up with a song. Some of them are better than others, but uh, some of them are stretches. But That's good. I appreciate when anybody notices them. Um, and I got to say, we appreciate every single one of you who listen week to week, our hardcore fans, people who come in, you know, randomly, we appreciate all of you. Any of you who've been a part of this for the past five years, uh, that's we wouldn't keep doing this if nobody listened. You know, we uh, we didn't start it thinking anybody would listen, but I, I don't think we would have finished it if, if uh, nobody out there listened. Yeah. Uh, so you guys kept us going, and we appreciate it. And we are going to keep going. We we actually we texted the other night about what we're going to do throughout the end of. Uh, uh, 2022 here so we, we've got at least a few months of episodes and uh, I know I've got some other ones on the back burner for us to do in 2023 we know The Undertaker's still going to be around still making news so uh, we'll keep this podcast rolling 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 until the tires fall off on our time traveling earth here <laughs> that's right and I want to shout out to a new listener we've got like you said we've. I'm always excited when we get more than two downloads for any episode so <laughs> one going to your phone one going to my phone so right. um, uh, we Anyway, um, we got a new new listener, and he just went to his first pay per view. Oh. His name is Aiden. So what's yeah, up, Aiden? So he will be at SummerSlam with us. Um, he was supposed to be listening to Talking Taker most of the way there, according <laughs> to his mom. So his mom Desiree works at Delta Blues, which is where I play, or Delta Blues Barbecue in, in Bristol, which is where I play a lot of my concerts. Um, she's a uh, she's great, and she uh, her son Aiden is fallen in re-fallen in love with wrestling recently and that's great he, he wrestles like amateur like in the kids league but anyway he loves wwe and um a few months back i texted her and i was like hey you know like SummerSlams in nashville this year and she was like i had no idea i was like yeah tickets are on or going on sale whatever like that so you just you know if you want to take him she's talking about wanting to take him and stuff so anyway so she wanted to get him tickets for his birthday and uh i'm so excited that I, i'm not trying to take any of the glory for it. I'm just glad that I was able to have a little part yeah. in that. He, he gets to go uh, to his first wrestling pay-per-view uh, and it's in Nashville. And so, yeah, she's uh, taking him there, I guess with his drops will already have been there, but yeah. Uh, and she's, I posted today, you know, I shared to ask anything. She's like, I had no idea you had this podcast. So yeah. So he, and she immediately texted me. He was listening to episode uh, 200, I think was at the, uh, moments and that was the thank you taker thank you i think i think that was the one who listened anyway no um, no no. wait a minute that was that was 199 what was 200 yeah 200 it was uh i think it was the uh oh golly it was the top oh yeah top entrances entrances and hall of fame reactions yeah she said he was listening to that um, i mean immediately and she said he's loving it so um that's great thank you aiden for listening hope you're listening on the way to uh to uh nashville and back so yeah well, um, not trying to one up you. I don't, it's not a one up, but uh, he's not a listener. But uh, one of my friends, um, uh, her name is Kelsey, and uh, you know her, Travis. She's married to Robert. Uh, we used to be here, uh, work with her in Young Life, um, back from Lisa. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think I'm talking out of turn when I'm saying this because uh, I'm not violating any HIPAA violations or anything, but she actually works, works in the hospital uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, the same hospital that our buddy, or, or not our buddy, uh, our boy Hacksaw Jim Duggan is receiving uh, his cancer treatments that he posts oh, about wow. on Instagram and everything. And wow. uh, he actually, he asked her if she likes any, knows anybody that likes wrestling and he uh, autographed an eight by 10. Uh, wow <laughs> that's awesome so uh there it is right there on that's the incredible channel so uh to alex hacksaw jim dug hall of fame 2011 which we were there for we were there yes, sir. For oh. so uh we talked about him facing the undertaker uh, a couple weeks ago on our coliseum video classics episode across so, the pond pretty neat yeah um Shoutouts, of course, always every month to Bottom Line Wrestling Cast. They have actually done sort of the same thing we have. They're coming out with episodes every two weeks now. Uh, they're sort of winding things down on the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. They just covered WrestleMania uh, uh, 27, which we were uh, had the uh, pleasure or uh, misfortune of being that as far as Stone Cold's involved. <laughs> uh, so uh, check them uh, out. Give the, listen to their podcast at least. Give them some sort of reward for having to watch that. Uh, watch along wrestling. Watch along Tommy. He's putting some videos out on YouTube covering the 15th anniversary of SummerSlam 2007. I've been watching and enjoying those. Check him out. Collecting Dead Man podcast covering the merchandise of the Undertaker. I guested on his podcast last month and we watched the Phenom VHS tape of the Undertaker from 1999. Very very fun. Uh, like you said, Travis, of course, see us at SummerSlam. We'll be around. We'll be wearing some Talking Taker merch, so you can find us up on the uh, 400 level or whatever of uh, Bridgestone. 300. Uh, 300. Okay, excuse me. <laughs> we'll be up yeah. there at the top. Come look for us. Well, Come find well, us. Well, I've already been up there at this point. Oh, <laughs> uh, good point. Good point. Um, <laughs> We're glad to see all, we still like to see all you guys. We love seeing all of you there. Um, and I want to say, be sure to pick up a t-shirt at tpublic.com, Talking Taker. I know Undertaker's got more autograph signings and appearances coming up, and the offer is always valid. If you wear one of our mm-hmm. shirts and have a picture taken with the dead man, we will spend you something very, very special. Special, unique prize, one-of-a-kind prize yeah. in the mail. And uh, Section I said, 310, by the way. Section 310, come find us in the That's past, right. if you're a time traveler. Yeah. Uh... Next month, September, as we kick off our uh, uh, sixth year of podcasting, I guess, uh, begin the sixth year, we're going to do it this month, we're going to do it next month, In case, unless some other breaking news happens, <laughs> can't believe I'm saying this, we're going to look at another Undertaker movie, Scooby-Doo and the Curse of the Speed Demon, WWE cartoon movie featuring The Undertaker in a prominent role. Lots of other WWE superstars. Hey, man, it is part of The Undertaker's legacy. It is something wild, something different. Yes. Uh, We've got no more matches to cover, so we got to exactly. look for The Undertaker in some other ways. So that's what we're going to do next month. I Cannot wait for that. Going to be something very fun, very unique in the Talking Taker universe. It's on and HBO Max, I believe. It is on HBO Max streaming. So if you subscribe to HBO Max, you can watch it it's not a watch long we're just gonna watch it and review it but uh you guys watch it watch them all. yeah <laughs> That'd be great. alternate commentary yeah uh, travis thank you for doing this for five years brother it's been a blast doing it and i can't wait to see what the future holds 
Absolutely, man. Hey, we're excited about it. Yeah, can't believe it's been five years. That is crazy. But yeah, thanks for having this idea. Glad it came to fruition. And uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if uh, you were there at Taker's One Night Stand, what's it called? Taker's One, one Dead, Dead Man. Man Show. One Dead Stand. All right, if you were there with Alex, let us know. If you were at the SummerSlam with us, let us know. And uh, we will see you in uh, September uh, with some Scooby Snacks, I guess. So, yeah, <laughs> have fun out there. Enjoy the new regime of WWE. Uh, it is what it is. And uh, thanks to Vince for all that he's done for wrestling. You know, we're going to leave all the, the negative stuff aside. Um, there's horrifying things that have happened probably are alleged. But we're going to thank him for he, the, he changed wrestling business. And uh, he gave us this character right here. And uh, we can't thank him enough for that. He, this is his greatest creation. Uh, character-wise, so we thank you for that, Vince. Uh, boo on you for all the other negative stuff. <laughs> and uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, enjoy all the good stuff and have a safe trip. And uh, as always, take her easy. Have you guys ever been to a topless club with this one? I've never been in a topless club. When he's getting dances, right? We're in a topless club. In some, we're in St. Louis. We're in some place, right? We're in a topless club. And Jukebox got this girl dancing for him all night. She's just working herself up. Just working herself to death. Sweat. All right. Sweating. Sweat. Sweating. So she spent she spent a couple hours with him thinking she's gonna get paid, right? So it's time to pay. And you're just like, okay, well thank you. He goes, that's on job training. I just helped you out. I just on job training. He asked her for twenty. Like, now you can pay me some pointers, honey. I'm only gonna charge you twenty bucks for that. On job training. It was uh on the job training. That's all I can say. <laughs>